the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The gory days. Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and early 1990s. Something happened, listeners. I was walking around the gory days uh, office headquarters, talking to some of the employees and interns there, and. Uh, well, here and something something changed from the start of the show to uh, I don't know. We started with Pumpkinhead, which which was like kind of a B movie, but also kind of a fondly remembered movie. We moved into I think it was Ghoulies after that, and just slowly I feel like I've been kind of falling away from horror movies from the '80s and toward in actually just bad movies from the '80s and. We had planned to do this week Inferno from, I think it was 1981 or 2, an Italian horror movie that, I don't know what I was thinking. So instead, we picked a very different movie today that I'm really excited to talk about, but before we get into any of that, I want to introduce my, well, I was going to say my guest, but to tell you the truth, I'm kind of, uh, if I can be totally honest, grooming him into being a, a, a co-host uh, to stick around um, and help me with the show. Uh, so without further ado, uh, for just yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's, it's me. Yeah, it's Mike. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you think of the offices here? Uh, some of the interns floating around here. Yeah, it's very nice. It's busy. Uh, yeah, it's busier than ever here at uh, Gory Days HQ. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say, is the elevator working now? Just don't just do me a favor and try not to get too specific. Uh, I don't okay. want people to know right. where we're located. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't want people to know that we have. You just mentioned an elevator, so I feel like that narrows that, down. That narrows it down. It's not yeah. a one-story building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, or at least it's not on the first floor of a building. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, without being too sorry, specific, sorry, that was, it won't happen again. Without being too specific, yeah, no, what do you, it's great. It's great. I love yeah. It. yeah. Specifically, what do you mean? What do you think? What do you like? <laughs> without being specific, well, don't be don't be too specific. Don't, but like you know, specific. It has good ambiance. Ambiance. Ambiance? How do you say that? What are you talking about? I don't know. Do you mean like the lights? Like yeah, the lighting? Like, you like it, the lighting? It, it lighting's good. Um, it's got good decor. So you didn't like the fish tank, the aquarium. It, it, you know that was new. That wasn't here last week. But you you don't approve of it. it it's not that I don't approve. I, I just saw you really notice r- it. I saw you walk right past it, yeah. and I you looked at it. Well, I, I saw like a tank. I didn't see any fish. If that's well, there aren't fish in it. It's a fish tank. Gotcha. It's brand new. Okay. And the fish tank is brand new, and you didn't seem to remark on it at all. That's fine. That's fine. Eric, get rid of the fish tank. What? Just get rid of it. The fish tank. Get rid of it. You know, if you could just add some fish, maybe. It was just like a first look. I, I, I don't know. I mean, don't it's... don't do that. You okay. don't have to. You don't have to pant. Look, is this because I want you to be my new co-host? It's a lot of pressure, and I feel like I have to like the things you like. Don't do that. Okay. Just be. Right. I want you to be totally relaxed. Just you know, totally cool. We're on the same team here. It's okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. how much? How much do you make? Oh wow, that's, that's quite a loaded <laughs> question here. I mean, just uh, out of curiosity, like yearly salary. Oh man. Um, do you want me to guess? Yeah, please. Okay, let's see. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the way you're dressed. I'm looking at what you do. What, what is this shirt? Axe Twi- 
Oh, it's a Funny or Die, the Twisted Humor Tour? Yeah, yeah. When was that? So, funny enough, I got this at UCSB when they did the tour at UCSB. What tour? Like a stand-up tour? It was an act stand-up tour. Oh, cool. With, um... Uh, what's the name? Danny Glover? Donald Glover? Donald Glover. Childish Gambino. Oh, wow. He's, was he as Donald Glover or Childish Gambino? No, he was, he was himself. Okay. Um, so was, uh... I guess he's... Childish Gambino when he's rapping. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I love that song, This Is America. Did oh, yeah, you see yeah. the music video? Incredible, yeah. Yeah, it was intense. I was a fan of his, like, going all the way back to the Derek Comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, Mystery Team. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen skits of it. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, super funny, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone on to all kinds of things. He was yeah. in Community for that uh, stretch. Um, he's got his own show, Atlanta, now. He's so talented, it's painful. It's painful to watch. Really? Like, I'm like, damn, that's a, I wish I could aspire to this, oh, but man. it's, it's I know, so unreachable. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know Bo Burnham? Mm-hmm. I think of every time I see something about Bo Burnham, I think, like, he's, like, my age, and mm-hmm. he's doing just things that i used to do just for fun and things but he's managed to turn into this whole career and it's so hard i still i haven't watched any of his like newest Mm. stuff because yeah it's just so hard and like i i always i always thought because it's like i identify as a creative you know Mm -hmm. kind of and and you know with a little bit of anxiety and depression kind of stunts that and uh people like bo burnham may be able to use that to catapult themselves but why do you uh shirk at donald glover like, is that something you want to do? Is that something you think you could do? I mean, he's a comedian plus yeah. actor. You know, what's what's so hard about that? <laughs> I can make funny stuff. I could be on TV. That's another thing. I feel like there's a... Okay, I can't rap, but... You know, well, I feel that way, two too. Two out of three. I feel like with comedians, especially, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I've made my family laugh. Mm-hmm. I make people laugh. I could do that. I could mm-hmm. get up on stage and do stand-up or something. Um, but there's that show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, on, uh, I think it's on Amazon, yeah, where fish. it's a <laughs> it's a period piece um, about, uh, I think it's like based on a true story, about a woman rising uh, in stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And man, that show has given me such a different appreciation for uh, what like a type five means and how you craft a stand-up act. Hold on, what's a type five? Uh, tight five is like five minutes of just good jokes oh, gotcha, like a gotcha, laugh yeah, five minute yeah. routine gotcha, yeah okay. yeah tight five minute routine like for an open mic or things like that uh like i don't watch the the show i'm dying up here or those like more autobiographical uh, that's a uh jim carrey produced show about stand-up in the 80s and 90s in la mm-hmm. uh, and so it is kind of biographical in that way um but it's like historical fiction uh, do you know anything about like the stand-up comedy scene or like ha- like what what the world is like? Why am I asking you this? I, I don't know. I don't know. I have what. No idea. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. You're my co-host. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep me from rambling. No, it, it's good. I, I, it was an interesting take. I just I haven't. I don't know much about it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. How are we doing on time? God damn! Really? <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, the axe twist twisted taunt comedy right. you know who else was in there um god what's her name uh she plays she's in um brooklyn 99 uh i think there is like chelsea something no. oh chelsea handler no no no, no not no, chelsea no, no, chelsea no. peretti yeah yeah yeah. chelsea peretti she was in that too chelsea she was, peretti's she was really way good. funnier than yeah. chelsea handler <laughs> but yeah chelsea peretti mm-hmm. um she used to be a writer on parks and rec really yeah yeah, yeah. and has since yeah i've been like 
catapulted into the front of the camera mm-hmm. on Brooklyn Nine Nine. You watch, you watch Brooklyn oh, yeah. Nine Nine. I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I love the. I think it's like in the pilot where they reveal the new captain's gay, right? Or uh, maybe in the um, first few episodes. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's I really thought, early, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. more incidental gay characters. Um, mm-hmm. kind of like our uh, movie today. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we can, you know, kind of tease a little bit of it that uh, we're talking about Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Did you know Clive Barker's gay? I did not. Yeah, he's openly gay. Um, mm. and I don't really know who Clive Barker is. But... Oh, he's the guy who wrote and directed this movie. <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, okay. When I pick a movie, yeah. when I say, hey, we're going to watch a movie for this. By the way, you, you texted me. Yep. I, was it like on Wednesday, I think, you right. asked? You were like, hey... Did you pick a movie yet? Right, so right. are we still on? And I said, "Oh, yeah, we'll do Inferno." Mm-hmm. And then I changed my mind, and uh, then I said, "Oh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space." I was like, "Oh, screw that! No, let's do a good movie." And I picked mm-hmm. Hellraiser. What did you do when I picked that movie and sent you that text? Um, <laughs> I, I'm normally like, like, pretty good about like saying things process? in advance, but this time I was like, "Eh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wing it, <laughs> see it like, right so, before." So, what was the first time? What's the first time you saw this movie? Um, today, like, uh... That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I normally do it, like, at least a day before, but, um, no, not today. Is that usually, like, walk us through your usual, yeah, the, like, the routine. Work, yeah, yeah, like, um, from getting the movie, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the movie that we're gonna do. Movie. What do you do? I, um, I usually go on IMDb and see the ratings of the movie. <laughs> kind of, yeah, see what I expect so, myself. So you have... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. You do? Oh, yeah. The first thing you do is you like you look up what you're supposed to think. No, 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 no. <laughs> this doesn't influence my opinion. Okay, like convince this one, me. Yeah, <laughs> this one had a pretty good rating. I thought I thought I was <laughs> expecting. So, that's what news. I'm saying. You set your expectations for either really low or really high. A little bit, but it's I am pretty independent of that. I'm like, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Then then what, what would you do? Uh, then I'll uh, quickly look at Wikipedia and. Uh, Read through, like, the plot a little bit. <laughs> you literally... Just a little bit, you know? Just skip it. <laughs> the Wikipedia plot is usually the entire plot of yeah, the movie. But I, just, I, like, I, bullet points. Right. To me, the plot is not that important. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry for interrupting again. Then what? Yeah, then I'll, uh, I'll usually... You know, put it on and see how long it is, so I could uh, realize, you know, uh, like when I well I'll be done with this. <laughs> <laughs> when when, <they> get <laughs> when this the torture over will end? <laughs> I know, just gotta have an idea. When you can go to the bank afterward <laughs> if it's still gonna be open. <laughs> you gotta fly out the rest of my day. Um, yeah, and then I'll usually sit down and watch the movie with a piece of paper with and a pen. Piece of paper and, and pen. Yeah, no, and you'll notes. jot down. Two or three thoughts that you had throughout the movie. Yeah, sometimes it's more, but yeah. And what apps are you usually playing while watching the movie? It, it depends on how, how much <laughs> I like it. <laughs> sometimes I'll have something in the background, but if it's a really good movie, then okay. It well, my this whole was before attention. you realized you're a co-host, so mm-hmm. maybe things will change. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to take this but seriously. Hey, but hey, I want this to be free. Okay. I want you to be relaxed. I want this to be cool and right. fun. <laughs> 
that's oh my god man you do all of the things that i was like oh i hope he doesn't do this i hope he doesn't he's not gonna say this because that's what i do with movies i know i'm never going to see if mm-hmm. i know i'm never going to see kong skull island mm-hmm. i look up the crap on wikipedia and i read everything i want or like uh i'm never gonna uh, I, I watched psycho recently and mm-hmm. i thought that was really good and i realized i'm never gonna watch psycho 2 so mm-hmm. i'll go on and read something like that just because yeah. i know i'm never gonna watch it but you like to temper your expectations. <laughs> well, I, I don't read the whole plot most of the time. If it, like it sounds good to begin with, I'm like, okay, I'll stop and watch the movie. But if I'm like, eh, I'll keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh. So off mic, you mentioned. Uh, I mean, off microphone. Sorry, right. hi Mike. <laughs> off mic, you mentioned that uh, you went to the optometrist recently, and you yeah. had a harrowing experience. Tell us all about that. Sure, sure. Um, Give us all the gritty details, the emotions, the things you were going through. Paint us a word picture. Yeah, so I went to the optometrist. I normally wore glasses, never wore contact lenses. Were there clouds in the sky? Were there uh, birds? Was it sunny? Was it cloudy? Was it raining? Oh, God. Um, it was yesterday around uh, 9. <laughs> pretty nice day, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went to the optometrist and... Um, Decided, hey, and was it I'm was gonna... it a shriveled up old crone with long spindly fingers and and like librarian chains? Oh wow, we go to the same place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, she was a very nice lady. Oh. Uh, kind of young, it was a friendly place. Um, nothing like what you described. Cool. Then then what happened? Did they did they use a big device to to inspect your eyes and make sure that you didn't have any uh, bugs or demons trapped behind them? That's exactly what they were looking for. Demons, and I was clear for that. You're and, supposed uh, to stop me from doing crap like this. <laughs> no one is enjoying this. I'm certainly not. I'm doing it. It's so it's hard doing this show without an audience. I don't know what's working and what's not. No, this, is, this is great. Okay, uh, great. Yeah, so, so no demons. Uh, I am colorblind, uh, although we didn't go through that test, but I would have failed. Um, there was like this... You're colorblind? I am colorblind, yes. So like right now, you must get this all the time, but mm-hmm. you, you see like a dog in black and white? No, no, I, I see what I think is normal. I mean, who knows how normal it is. That's kind of cool. I never thought about that. But, uh, yeah. Color is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Except I, um... I have thought about that. We've dealt with this before. Yeah, the- we, we have. We have. I, uh, I'm trying to shed this weird, like, personality I wear for this show. <laughs> um, yeah, we played uh, a PSVR game, PlayStation VR, right. where uh, color came into play, where one of us had to shout to the other what color... Thing uh, like a character was wearing, and it it was pretty it was pretty fun. Added an extra level of difficulty. I think it made it like because uh, when you you went first on the selecting, and I had to describe yeah. what was going on, and I was describing like the eyes as white the, the entire time, and then when you played, you're like, oh, blue eyes. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> What is this? So what is it like? I mean, mm-hmm. for, for our listeners, obviously it's no different. Like, if I asked a person that was born blind, they wouldn't, you know, right. think it was any different. But, right. like, I don't know, from your experiences, I'm sure you've had friends that, uh, did it, has it ever affected you? Has it? Well, yeah, when, when I was a kid, um, I didn't know I was colorblind, because, um, you know, they don't tell you this. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, I must be stupid, because, uh. I can do the shape stuff okay, but uh, clearly I'm not smart enough to do the colors. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when I found out I was colorblind, uh, it was some relief, because I was like, hey, I'm not stupid. Yeah. 
but also realized I couldn't be a pilot, which is something I kind of wanted to do. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's not a reference to uh, Little Miss Sunshine? No, no, no. It's something I was... Because that's literally what Paul Dano goes through in oh, Little yeah. Miss Sunshine. I went through that. Oh my god, yeah. that sucks. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, okay. How how young was that when you... Like, I was 10. When your dreams were shattered? I was oh my yeah. god. So my mom was ecstatic, because, uh, you know, she doesn't want me to be a pilot and all that. <laughs> so she was probably relieved that A, you're not stupid, right. um, and B... Well, see, I didn't really, like, talk about colors very much, so I don't know if she was like, hey. Yeah, yeah I guess, like, when yeah. would you really bring that up? Yeah. Unless, I don't know, I don't have kids. Maybe you talk mm -hmm. about colors a lot when they're in their developmental Maybe. stages, but... And it's not like it was so bad that I didn't know any colors, they're just like... Slightly off, yeah, like, like red can... would look like green sometimes. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, like, you can drive. Yeah, I can drive, and here's why. The red looks like red, whatever I think is red. Um, the yellow looks like a little bit brighter red, so no problems there. And the green looks like white. Well, also the placement. They're th yeah. on top of each other, so you've grown up knowing when the top one right. is light, it's okay to go, when mm -hmm. the bottom one isn't. Um, yeah. The, the only scary thing is, like, sometimes if it's raining... I'll be driving, and then I see, like, a, a white light, so I think, oh, it's a street light, and then I'll turn red. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. ha that hasn't resulted in anything bad, right? Uh, I had to slam the brakes, but... Does that mean that. you have, like, a special license? Does it say on your license... <laughs> license to kill. <laughs> license to be colorblind? <laughs> uh, no, it's not really... Because not really on awesome. mine, I wear glasses. To s I'm nearsighted, so mm -hmm. I need to wear glasses on, on my license. It says corrective lenses and then my prescription, so that if I ever got caught driving without glasses, they would know. But yours doesn't say, this guy's colorblind. <laughs> Sir, do you know how colorblind you're going? <laughs> That's true. What would that accomplish? Yeah. Like, that you weren't wearing your colorblind corrective oh, glasses? I've heard about these. I'm kind of... Do they make those? They do. They kind of make these... Uh... Been, I took like the test on their website to see if it would help, and they're like, "No, you're too far gone." Oh wow, that's kind of mean. Yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't stay that way. They said like there's a thirty percent chance of this working or something like that, something even lower. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've got a great show planned for today. We've, we're talking about the movie Hellraiser by Clive Barker, uh, and. That's it. I kind of wish we had some more things to hype on here. Like, ooh, and later we'll be talking to uh, Blank, or we'll be taking some calls from this, but... Let's take some calls. Well, just... maybe you don't need to do anything. No. Oh, do you want to take some calls? Do you want to try to do that? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we got a, we got a phone call coming in here. From, oh, we got the, the board lighting up here. <laughs> you don't have to do the mouth thing. We'll add it in post. Oh, okay, don't worry. Right, right. Uh, oh, yeah, we're taking a call here. Hello, you're on the Gory Days. Hi, um... Is this the Gory Days? Yes, this is on the Gory Days. You're listening with Kyle and Mike. Mike, say hi. Oh my god, hi. <laughs> Wait, I'm both caller and me. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta be here. You gotta talk to the caller. <laughs> this this isn't working. Oh, man. We'll try that again in yeah. the future. I like the idea of doing that, of having, like, ca characters call or, or yeah, people. We could even do people, like, from the movie calling mm, or things mm -hmm. like that. Or, or yeah. like, yeah, during, it's like, oh, I was uh, the, the dad and this isn't, oh, it's crazy what happened. Um... By the way, the timer stopped. Uh, oh, did it? Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. Not, not because of the time stop. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I closed it. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was probably a good enough time. Um, so, yeah, we got a great show for you today. Uh, but uh, before that, I want to take a quick break and... Uh, <laughs> hold on. Jeez. Let's get this clean. We got a great show for you today on the Gory Days. Mike and I are talking about Clive Barker's Hellraiser right after the break. The Gory Days, the Gory Days, the Gory Days. The Gory Days. <laughs> 
So hi, first of all, my name's Kyle. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Eric. Hi, Eric. So what am I looking at here? This is an audio medium, so we're going to have to describe for the listener what you do and what I'm looking at. Okay, um, this is my company called Monster Tees. Uh, we specialize in mon- oh. monster t-shirts. I see, Monster Tees. Gotcha. Yes. Um, Spelled T-E-A-S-E. Yes, yes. Um, so we, I'm sole owner. Um, I turned my garage into my store. Okay. And... Where, do you, where are you based out of them? Orange County. Oh, okay. That's yes. where I'm born and raised. Awesome. Nice. nice. Yeah, Irvine. Or, Irvine. Orange. Like orange. Actual City orange. orange. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Definitely. So, uh, kind of local. Uh, right. So, are you an artist then? You design all of these? I do some of the designs um, and also all the word prints, but a lot of the designs, the 80s style designs that you see, are all done from... Um, one of my buddies that lives in Argentina. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so you've outsourced this. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because okay. unfortunately running this by myself, I have to have people do my a lot of my art just because I don't have time to do it. Is this you know? Does this pay the bills? Is this full-time for you? No. No? Okay, no. what do you do otherwise to Actually, make ends meet? I work at Verizon Wireless. Oh, so does my dad. That's nice. insane. Wow, really? we got a lot in of Orange, In Orange County? Uh, no, no, no. He works for corporate. So, okay, uh, I was yeah. going to say, oh, no. <laughs> Um, but uh, so, what's your favorite part about this? Um, just being able to share like my love for monsters. Oh, okay, so you know? yeah, what do you love about horror? What brings you like into this world? Um, actually, my parents. Um, I saw The Exorcist and the Poltergeist when I was like five. A little too early. Yeah, earlier in, than in, most in the drive-in theater. Oh, cool! And my parents never explained to me what it was what it was about. I, I didn't know about getting scared, other than I'm afraid of the dark. You sure. Know? Maybe you didn't have siblings. Right. <laughs> and I had an older sister, too. Oh, okay. And she didn't scare you? Uh, well, it, it will come. But <laughs> we, we went we went to the drive-in, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm, I watched Poltergeist, and I was just tripping out how the girl went into the TV, and I was like, as a little kid, I was like, holy shit. Well, yeah. You know, like, Whoa, Considering that, you're usually watching it on the TV at right, the time. Yeah. Right. And just all, and the clown going underneath the bed, that scared the crap out of me. I slept in my parents' bed for like two weeks after that. And then... Um, my sister, my older sister, now started to babysit me, and she thought, um, hey, you know, I don't really care for my brother, so um, I know he's afraid of, like, horror movies and monsters, so I'm going to sit him in front of the TV and let him watch all the Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy, or Jason, and all that stuff. The classics. And, yeah. And then in a row? Uh, as long as she can get me to sit in the front, which was all the, the whole time until my parents got back. Yeah. Because she was older than me, she'd beat the crap sure, out of me. Sure, and honestly, that makes a pretty easy babysitter, so right? yeah. And then she would send me back. She'd tell me to go go to sleep in the dark by myself. And right. I was terrified of monsters. And so then. that metastasized into wanting to uh, immortalize them on T-shirts? It kind of gave me a, like a feeling of safeness because of the fact, especially with my tattoos. Oh, wow, I didn't notice those. I have them on me, yeah, and I feel like they're my friends. Gotcha. So who are we looking at on your uh, sleeves here? Like uh, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, For the listener, I mean, I can see. <laughs> Freddy Krueger, um, Exorcist, Reagan, Michael Myers, Leatherface. I have every single horror character you can think of. That's amazing. It's, it's and is there. this done by the same Argentinian? Argentinian? Um, no, this is my buddy from Lefty's Tattoo and based out of Orange. Okay. Yeah. So um, where can we find you online? Uh... You can go to monstertees.com or you can find us at um, at monstertees on Instagram. Okay. Probably like the best thing. And um, yeah, so I had to make these. I mean, when I said I feel safe, it's just like, hey, if you think of him, hey, Jason ain't going to come after me if I have his shirt on. 
Oh, I see that. It's <laughs> like, like hey, dude, if I'm, I'm on their side. Yeah, I'm on your side, bro. They're like, don't mess with me. Oh, that's fascinating. I never thought about it like so that. So that, 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 was, that was how I overcame my fear for monsters, and they became my friends. By identifying with them. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Definitely. It was nice meeting you. Thanks. Gory Gory Days. Yeah, and so I try to, you know, blink slowly back and just, you know, communicate. Yeah, the feeling's mutual. Welcome back to the gory days. That, of course, was an interview from me at Midsummer Scream, talking to a fine gentleman who sells Monster Tees, T-E-A-S-E. I don't really get the pun, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying, because I get that it's supposed to be Monster Tees, but what is the joke with T-E-A-S-E, like teasing? Oh, I thought it was like a tea that you drank. Wait, tea. no, it's monster teas. Like I'm teasing oh, you. Oh, tea. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. But he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you could tell from the interview. But um, we are back talking about Clive Barker's Hellraiser from 1987. This I I'm gonna say it right now. I love this movie. It is a great example of why these movies stand the test of time there are some effect sequences here that look amazing mm-hmm. um there are some character designs here that are just so unique and like uh instantly recognizable sure. we'll get into all of that but um uh yeah any uh, immediate thoughts right off the bat before i start getting into like it's uh historical context and things um not, not so much i'm not as hyped up about this movie as you are oh no yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know. What do you I mean? Was, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it was visually very nice. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it as we get into it. All right. Can't wait to hear all about all that. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser by Clive Barker was released in September 10th. I'm sorry, on September 10th, 1987. I believe that was a Friday. Released in London. This is Mm. actually a British horror film. That explains the accents. Yes, Mm -hmm. a lot of the accents and uh, a lot of it in the late, uh, like, stage of the production was overdubbed to replace a lot of those British accents with American accents. Interesting. Most obvious uh, is Frank. All Mm. of Frank's lines played by Sean Chapman, Frank the brother. uh, All of his lines are dubbed entirely by a different American voice actor um, doing all of that. So before I get a little too far into all of that, Clive Barker's Hellraiser is originally based on a short story that he wrote uh, called The Hellbound Heart. That is basic. I read a little bit of it, the first and last chapter. It's essentially the same. So you pretty much got the whole... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I like it. It's pretty much the same story, but, uh, you know, in a way that written word can elicit such a deeper imagery in your head mm-hmm. uh, than film. Like, f- film, sure. you're at the mercy of the person whose imagination imagined right. this. But when you're reading a book, it's your imagination. Yeah. And so it's going to be, yeah. Do you have any experience? Like, Sure. When I was reading uh, Harry Potter, uh, I imagined it a lot better. I thought, uh, you know. The movie was good. It was, it was originally, you know, very, very nice, but it was much different from how. Did you read all the books before the seeing the movies? I read up until the fourth one, which I thought was uh, kind of bland. So, were you disappointed when the movies came out and they didn't match your imagination? A little. I mean, they were still very nice, so I, I still liked the movies, but it wasn't how I imagined Hogwarts to be. Was there? What were some of the biggest? Like, I remember Peeves in the books, completely mm. removed from all of the movies. Was there anything like that that you're like, oh, it's why isn't so Hermione long, uglier? I don't remember um, much of it. 
I remember there's like Harry Potter sitting with a mirror or something like that that like would show his parents something like that and that was yeah. like a huge thing in the books and like a quick scene in the movies and I do remember that uh, where it's supposed to show him the Philosopher's Stone but instead it just shows him his parents but mm-hmm. then his parents show him the Philosopher's Stone or something oh, like that yeah it's, yeah it's been a while I don't remember the book as well I was mm-hmm. not that into uh reading as a kid but as i get older i'm definitely getting into it i'm currently in the middle of the drawing of the three uh by uh, stephen king okay the gunslinger series uh the second one mm-hmm. the dark tower and all uh, that. I, I literally just started reading the uh the first one. Oh, the yeah. gunslinger yeah, yeah, yeah it's great um I, I just got like 16 pages in so it's it's too quick for for me to say that no worries okay. um so yeah the hellbound heart is the original short story that clive oh and, and if i may uh, I, I don't think um like, he uses a lot of, um, how do I say this, flowery or archaic language, Stephen King, at least in this novel. I don't know if that's typical. I would agree. Yeah. So I have to, like, look up a lot of things as I'm reading, and it kind of stops the flow. Oh, that's so funny. I was mentioning that to somebody. I have it on Kindle, mm-hmm. and the Kindle is so nice that any time I come upon a word that mm-hmm. I don't know, I can just hold my finger on it, and it looks yeah. it up right there. Way better, because mm-hmm. you're right. I, I could imagine... A, not knowing a word and that taking the immersion out of it, and B, having to then go look up the word, and I'm already so far out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there was a word he used the other day that apparently just means a whiny tone, but it was like a four syllable word, and I couldn't remember. Uh, and I just thought, like, wow, this, like, being a, a linguist or an author or things and getting to die. I like words, mm-hmm. I like the way they fit together and things like that. Um, so anyway, written by uh, Clive Barker, The Hellbound Heart. Um, this story, uh, just it's essentially about the family Cotton. Uh, Julia and Larry Cotton are these two married people who have a... Oh, Larry has a daughter. Julia is the stepmother to Kirsty, who uh, are all moving into the Cotton family house together. Uh Larry used to live here when he was a kid. He's going to have Kirsty live here, assuming she doesn't move in with her boyfriend. Uh, and Julia's going to stay here, too. Little do they know that Larry's brother, Frank, a sex-addicted maniac, was living in the house. Um, and by living, I mean crashing there. There were maggots and everything gross. But essentially, he was using it as a sex dungeon torture place playing with this evil puzzle box and once he opens that evil puzzle box he lets loose these horrible demon monster things the cenobites Mm -hmm. and in that hellbound heart story he calls them the cenobites Mm -hmm. um pinhead is never mentioned obviously and uh a lot of the like cenobites don't have names but they're essentially demons of pain and pleasure angels to some demons to others that is one of the lines yeah um and so i'm trying to give just like a general synopsis of the hellbound heart to give us an idea of what we're talking about as we get into some of the more like uh trivia and miscellaneous things a lot of sadomasochism yes exactly but essentially the story in a nutshell is frank gets taken by the cenobites Frank escapes the Cenobites through blood in the place that he died, the attic. And so uh, Julia's job is... uh, (laughs) So Julia was having an affair with Frank. Julia doesn't love Larry. Julia (laughs) is is Larry's new wife, but Julia doesn't love Larry. She still is holding uh, flame for the now dead, they assume, in jail or something, Frank. But man, I, feel like I, got, I feel like I got all mixed up here a little bit. I wanted it to be a little tighter. Um, so Larry and Julia are married. 
Larry has a brother named Frank. They assume Frank has been in jail for the last 10 years. He's actually in hell or purgatory or some terrible place. Or pleasure zone. Right. When blood drips in the attic floor, Frank comes back to life as a, like, nasty uh, corpse. Julia, And then Frank tells Julia, you have to bring more blood here so that I can become a person. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the, that's, movie. That's the movie. That's the story. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's the the main story without spoiling things. Um, so now, with all of that in mind, I feel like I can uh, get into some of these things. Um, so, Clive Barker's movies, books, he was a writer, and mm-hmm. his books had been being made into movies before this, mm-hmm. but he hated them, and for good really? reason, specifically completely dismayed at the uh, cinematic ap- adaptations of his work, specifically Rawhide Rex in 1986, which uh, the story, the original story apparently is much more emotional and depicts uh, this deformed man monster thing, Rawhide Rex, as more of like a sympathetic thing. The movie, however, turns him into like a metalhead style, like killer monster thing and just totally uh, takes it in a wrong direction. So... Clive Barker decided he's going to attempt to direct this film himself. Mm-hmm. So when he petitioned, uh, when he went to his friend Christopher Figg, a producer, Christopher Figg got New World Pictures to agree to fund the film for $900,000, which well, is a small budget well, for mm-hmm. something like this. But granted that Clive Barker hadn't directed anything, I could understand mm-hmm. how they weren't eager to throw all the money they had at him. Um, I don't know. What Feel free to chime in at any time yeah. if any of these things are interesting. I, I, I did see that it was like a $1 million, $900,000 movie, and it grossed like fourteen. so hey. Yeah, $14 million. Yeah, I mean, that's total like worldwide and after uh, uh, videos and things like that, but... It, it's it's crazy because no one no one on the production thought that this uh, character of Pinhead or anything was going to take off like it did. Least of all, Clive Barker. Um, Pinhead was the name given on set. Clive Barker didn't like it, and he thought that it was you know kind of disrespectful to the character. Um, but it, it stuck because even in the credits, he's credited as like uh, lead Cenobite, I think. Um, and in the original Hellbound, Hellbound Heart, he's uh, the priest or something like that. Um, but uh, the look of the Cenobite, specifically Pinhead, is just so immediately eye-catching yeah. and iconic. Even if you don't know who he is, if right. you know nothing... I've about, definitely seen him before. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like you... Uh, I, I love having you on here because you do kind of represent the outside looking in mm-hmm. on all of this. And so you, what's your relationship with Pinhead, the, the look of the character? I've definitely seen him somewhere, like uh, on a poster or something like that. I was like, oh, this this thing. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe with, maybe like, you know, whenever there's, you know, a group of horror classic characters, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Jason, Freddy, Chucky, yeah. Pinhead. Yeah, and, oh, the nail dude. Yeah, yeah, and you would always go, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it was like, I think he showed up in like, you know, Looney Tunes or Animaniacs, you know, huh. something where they're showing, you know, like... Uh, they would do that a lot on Animaniacs and show a characters yeah. or like directors or writers or things that I just didn't get and went right over my yep. head. So I'm pretty sure Pinhead showed up in one of those and, you know, they were doing a silly thing like knocking the hand, the nails into uh-huh. his head or something like that. Um, but the reason I say that, like, no one uh, expected this movie to or expected the uh, this to take off is uh, Clive Barker... <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to a thing that I didn't write down, and I'm trying to make it sound seamless. But essentially that, like, uh, 
it makes me think about the relationship between a production company and the creatives that actually make it because Clive Barker's ideas while have value he clearly doesn't like understand what makes a eye-popping movie he mm. knows how to craft a good story but like for instance, he was really like uh, playing up in the original cut and in the original script the sexual element of it, uh, mm -hmm. the relationship between Frank and Julia. Right. Um, just way more scenes of them having like sex and longer things. There's a quote that he told uh, in um, I forgot what the book is, but uh, essentially that the uh, production company made him cut the number of thrusts that frank mm. shows and when like, i whoa, whoa whoa that's too sexual well exactly that that uh clive barker is like it was so weird they said three two humps <laughs> is okay but three is obscene and you're laughing too it's but, the hollywood three pumps well that's the thing is i don't know if you did, did uh, I, I remember watching it and the first time i watched mm -hmm. it uh i watched it three times mm -hmm. in between wednesday okay. or thursday so the first time i watched it i was looking for butt thrusts and mm -hmm. i didn't see any because um, when I read that, I assumed they meant sodomy, but no, it just means like it's like humps when they're 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 doing it. Um, and yeah, listeners and uh, viewers of this movie, if you go back and watch it, anytime any character humps, it's mostly Frank. It's only Frank. But right. anytime Frank humps, it's only two. There's never oh, three. Oh, okay, two. Two's the limit. It's only two. It's boom, gotcha. boom, and then they cut to another one or mm. uh, or some other thing. Yeah, and it's it's getting a little weird to talk about, but <laughs> that's essentially the rule: is that two is fine and colors the scene and things, but three is obscene whoa, and pornographic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, there are kids watching. This. I mean, think about it. Like, put put yourself like back into the, watching the movie and like watching those scenes and think about if there were three, just one more pushes it over a little bit and makes it just a little more obscene and pornographic yeah, there is something to it i mean uh, i know there's something about, fun about just the number but there is there's something to it especially like how painful it looks that's the thing mm -hmm. is that frank is a rough angry lover and that seems to be why julia uh flocks to him yeah. but uh we'll get to that in a little bit really quick i just wanted to uh remark on that this movie spawned nine sequels. The Hellraiser mm -hmm. series, I'm sure yeah. you've seen, goes on and on and on. That, that's what surprised me most when I was uh, looking at Wikipedia before watching it. That's I was right. like, oh, there's nine of these. Clearly, this movie spawned off a whole franchise of the films. Did, did he direct all of them? No, he only wrote and directed this one. He wrote on the next three and then was completely gone by five. So he wrote the next three but didn't direct them? No. Okay. Correct. They were directed mm -hmm. by uh, some other people. Gotcha. <laughs> His information I'm sure I could pull up if yeah. that were the movies we were talking about. Okay. Uh, so I'll get... I, I realize that I can kind of interject these things as we go through the movie and mm -hmm. the recap. Um, so... Uh, since I've watched this movie so many times recently, I think I have a pretty good idea. I'm, like I said, we're getting better with these recaps here, so help me out sure. um, along the way. But uh, like we said, essentially, the movie is the family cotton. Larry is the husband. Julia is the new wife, the newest entry into this family. Kirsty is the daughter. Uh, the first scene, though, is really important because it's a deal between... He's in, like, Morocco He's or in something? Morocco, okay. according to Wikipedia. Okay, yeah. And he's... Uh, What's your pleasure, sir? Yeah, it's... He's, like, vaguely Asian kind of yeah, sounding. It sounds Morocco, offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Frank puts some money down, and uh, his nails are so nasty. I did There's not so much to that. dirt under there. Yeah. And, like... 
it was something I realized right away is like less is more in horror. Like mm-hmm. right away, I was uncomfortable with whoever owns those nails and like seriously, <laughs> That's the villain. that was something. Yeah, yeah. kind of because yeah, he puts the money down, he takes the box, uh, and uh, he goes home to his altar where uh, he's trying to solve the box. And the way that you solve the box is so weird. Kind of spin it like an you, iPod. Yeah, you kind of have to like gingerly like rub your finger on the top, and that makes it you know. Love it erect and then you push it back down i was kind of thinking about that that Mm -hmm. it's you know kind of a sexual thing where you have to caress like you know the nubbit of the Mm -hmm. box to make a thing extend um and then you force it back down you know this kind of in and out uh thing and that's kind of one of the themes of this Mm -hmm. movie big time is uh sexual imagery um but when he solves the box, the worst thing possible happens. Hooks. Or the best thing. <laughs> or the best thing. I don't know what he was looking forward to. They set up a few times that, like, oh, he's he's such a sexual deviant that nothing gets him off anymore. And, like, mm-hmm. he's probably resorted to all kinds of things. But I never really feel like he's like that. He doesn't yeah. look like no, he's tortured. He looks healthy. Yeah, he doesn't have any, like piercings or tattoos or anything yeah. you would kind of associate with yeah you would assume he had like like obscene piercings in places right. you wouldn't expect and yeah all kinds of weird stuff like i don't even go to sadomasochist clubs and i have a better idea of what someone who frequents those would look like they'd look closer to pinhead and things <laughs> but is he naked in that beginning scene i guess that would uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Anyway, he solves the puzzle, and the worst or best possible thing happens. Hooks, chains come out of nowhere and uh, rip, rip him apart. Yeah, yeah, rip him apart. And then uh, they're like trying to put his face back together. Um, and originally, Clive Barker filmed that scene with uh, actual pig eyes and a tongue and wanted it to look more like that, but the production company and the censor said no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So they actually, there was a lot of like post-production filming of mm-hmm. extra inserts and scenes and stuff that they had to do and that was one of them mm-hmm. where they assemble the face and take them away then pinhead fixes the box and it, they're all gone the room goes back to normal. totally normal that's when we meet julia and larry they're walking in and we learn that larry uh used to live here a long time ago hasn't been here in 10 years wanted to sell it when his mom passed away but he couldn't convince frank for some reason they assume frank yeah. has been in jail this whole time but he's been squatting in the house. Mm-hmm. And like we said, turning into this nasty sex dungeon. Maggots everywhere, cockroaches. That was some other interesting trivia that I learned. is uh, When you have cockroaches on a film set, mm-hmm. you they all have to be male. Interesting. So they don't breathe? Exactly. <laughs> for, to avoid infestation. Gotcha. So when you get a cockroach wrangler uh, on set, they have to sex each cockroach mm-hmm. to make sure that they're male gotcha. um and they were too fast the cockroaches you, you've seen cockroaches they're like True. they can clear a kitchen i don't know have you seen cockroaches i've seen cockroaches yeah <laughs> they can clear uh distances so they had to freeze them to get them slow and docile oh. enough to be as slow as you see them in the movie hmm. um maggots too they had to you know cool them down so that they squirmed right and looked mm, on them so they true. they had to have a maggot wrangler a cockroach wrangler and a rat wrangler there's rats in the movie too there's also crickets oh that's right thing. there's crickets yeah. at one point yeah. yeah i don't know if you need a cricket wrangler i don't no, know if no. that's a thing probably um let's see where was i oh so the so larry and them show up um julia meanders her way up and finds larry uh frank's old photos and mm-hmm. finds a photo that she likes of him not actively having sex mm-hmm. um and uh you know keeps that and she rips the uh woman's she the ri- other woman's yeah uh, she rips the other one yeah, yeah. 
Um, now, this is when Kirsty enters the movie. Uh, they're moving in to the new house, and they've got movers there, and uh, Larry calls her, and we just get this, like, close-up shot of Kirsty in a nondescript location. We have no idea where she is, but there's something she has to do before she comes over, and that thing, apparently, was to just walk along the, like, shipping yard like, what is she doing? Do you remember that? Uh, not, not really. I remember her there's being like, in a booth or something. Well, there's and music playing, and she's walking along, like, the, the, the harbor, and she's mm-hmm. looking up, and then you see her cross by a house, and you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, this is the thing she had to do. And then she looks at some, like, Jesus things outside and laughs at them and gives them a weird look, enters the door, and it's the house that they're mm-hmm. actively moving in. Like, we just cut from the movers with the giant bed trying to get it up the stairs to Kirsty walking around. Yeah, this is something I had to do. It was it's, look at the house. It was so weird. It makes because it, it makes me think that she's it's like a different day and she's in a different place. But then it's the it's like minutes. It's mm-hmm. minutes yeah. from when they were talking. Yeah, so that was I'm very clear. confusing. And then as soon as Kirsty shows up, the movers have to you know is that your daughter? She's yeah. got her mother's looks. Her mother's dead. <laughs> he just loves bringing that up anytime someone tries to hit on her uh let's see what were some fun things so when uh, they're trying to get the bed moved up uh it's so great julia is upstairs fondly remembering frank and uh is that when we see the uh, the flashback to mm-hmm. to this is like right before Julia and Larry's marriage. It was like the wedding day, the it wedding seemed day. like. Yeah. And uh, Frank comes in. It's, it's raining. Can I come in? <laughs> That's something I want to talk about. Frank is not that hot. He's like, he's he's 80s British hot, yeah. like by those standards. But, mm-hmm. and then something else, like he said, like I said, this movie is originally British, and there are a lot of things that are just like painstakingly obviously British in this mm-hmm. movie. The fridge? Do you remember how oh, tiny... No, I, didn't, I didn't take a look at the fridge. Yeah, the refrigerator is so tiny in the mm-hmm. in the back. Um, all the doors and things have stained glass, like on the inside and stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you got? You got anything? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's definitely like an 80s... Like model is, is how I would describe him, or like uh, '80s. Well, it's like where I'm coming guy. from is I think Clive Barker thought he was hot, and that's mm-hmm. why he casted him. Like I, I just kept thinking like he kind of looks like I'd imagine Clive Barker's tastes, mm-hmm. um, and so I have to imagine that played some bit into it. Okay, um, maybe that's what mm-hmm. I speculated on. Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part. Uh, let's see. So, uh, Julia is upstairs, fondly remembering Frank, remembering that night on, or I guess that wedding day Mm -hmm. when they had rough super sex, and she devoted herself to him when she said, I'll do anything for you. Mm -hmm. And I guess they continued a relationship, but, you know, he was like, it's never enough. Um, and that was probably the last time he saw, they saw each other, I think. Mm. Uh, and that's when Larry cuts his hand on a nail in a really great like oh cringe moment i don't want to look less is more kind Mm -hmm. of thing where they're pushing the bed and the nail grinds against his uh hand and man Mm -hmm. it starts bleeding a lot and it's like that movie like really goopy like jam it was it was a little like it 
you know, if that were to happen, it'd be like, hey, stop. Seriously. <laughs> like, it's really deep. Yeah, it's like, really it, bad. They pushed it a, lo- a while after, like, he's like, ah, this hurts. Keep going. Yeah, and he keeps going up the stairs, yeah. too, and he's like, oh, look at it. You know how I am yeah. with blood. I'm about mm-hmm. to faint. But so they go uh, out and they take him to the hospital because he has to get stitches. But all of that blood had seeped into the floor on the uh, in the attic. By the way, I really like that visual effect of the, the blood disappearing. Slowly. I was wondering. I was like, that looks really cool. How'd they yeah, do that? I, don't know. I realized how because mm-hmm. um, once the blood seeps in and you see uh, Frank's new heart beating and mm-hmm. things, and uh, they leave, the floors start to like shake and right. things, and goo starts to bubble up from the floor. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me think. Oh, they bubbled blood up and then just filmed it and then just reversed, reversed it because yeah. that's it looks it really sense. good because yeah, i was like really there's nice. no stains it's just yeah, like yeah. gone gone um so this is the scene i'm talking about this is the thing that like horror movies this is they just stand the test of time uh christopher young did the music for this movie um and uh it's just it's an amazing score the floor bubbles up into Mm. this nasty like mush of bile and things and you see uh, a reversed like you know pear it looks like a, a fruit like decaying uh, in yeah. like time lapse that they reverse to make it look like it's forming, so cool, man! Yeah, it looked great. A brain forming and then the two arms like, come out. The arms, it's like just super slender. And, yeah, you know. yeah, and it's just like meat and bones and sinew, and it's and it's it's wet like mm-hmm. every '80s horror thing, sure. but it's actually it's purposefully wet because it's yeah. forming from this nasty it's thing, goop. and then it like lunges forward to connect its uh like uh spine to the brain stem oh my god i love 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 that scene um so christopher young as i mentioned did the music and uh clive barker having never directed a movie really wanted coil a band uh european electronic band to do the music is that (laughs) that's uh star wars cantina oh okay yeah no i didn't i thought maybe you recognized them but yeah it's a band called coil uh he originally wanted them to perform the group uh, uh, perform the music for the film, but the production company said, no, 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 no. Get Christopher Young. He just uh, did the music for A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and uh, Invaders from Mars, so get him on it. <laughs> and I think it was a really good idea, but yeah. apparently uh, Coyle had written a lot of the themes already for the movie, oh. so Christopher Young used them, okay. uh, including this one, apparently, was a Coyle theme that he used for this scene. <laughs> Oh God, it's so cool! I love yeah. that. What did you think of that scene? Yeah, did yeah. you not care? No, I, I liked it. I was, uh, I was still very much intrigued. I was like, uh, I was, I liked the visual effects of the blood disappearing and just what I thought at the time was like his demon. Well, I didn't quite think at the time because I had read the, the plot, so I knew it was Frank. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I, I let myself pretend it was a demon or something, um, and. Uh, yeah, because we don't find out that it's Frank until, I mean, like, you could assume, mm-hmm. but uh, Julia comes back. They come back, and uh, they're having dinner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this is great because uh, <laughs> this character, Evelyn, uh, is at dinner with another character named Bill and a dinner guest who doesn't get a name, mm-hmm. but there are incidental gays in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, are you, hmm, like you didn't notice? I didn't, no, really? I didn't pick that up now. There's two of the, yeah, there's two guys and they're like, you know, they're dressed a little bit nicer and, mm. uh, but that's what I love is they're incidental because it right. really doesn't matter yep. that they're gay and this yep. was back in the 80s, but I feel like it's Clive Barker once again, you know, just trying to push the envelope a little mm-hmm. bit with things like that. Um, so, uh, 
they're having a party and uh, Julia has to leave because uh, she says, oh, I'm not feeling too well. But this is also the scene where Kirsty meets her boyfriend or maybe... Is, is that where they meet? Yeah. Um, or are they yeah, already yeah, yeah, there? Yeah. Okay. No, they're, they're floating. Because he does the... that cigarette trick that's super yeah, yeah, gross yeah. and oh, weird. Oh, <laughs> I don't get what's supposed to be yeah, hot about oh. So he takes like, he has like a, like just a tiny bit over a cigarette butt and he flips it like into his mouth and back out. It's disgusting. And then so, smokes it again. Like yeah. it was still hot in his yeah, mouth oh. and he managed to get it back out. And Kirsty like giggles like, yeah, oh, like that's kind of cute. Hot. <laughs> I've never seen that. I don't know. I would immediately go Ugh. like, "Oh, it's so funny if they did that." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so Julia is like, "Oh, I, I gotta go." And um, uh, one of the gay guys, Bill, uh, who's apparently an attorney, which is also yeah. really nice, is like, "Oh, we should go too." And uh, Larry's like, "No, you can't go. We're this is the night of the paper hat. We're celebrating the what something." I don't know if that's a like reference to the story he was just telling that mm. I didn't you know we just get the tail end of or if it's I don't know what that was but I mm. thought it was funny enough that it's like the party of the paper ha- uh, the night of the paper hat it made me think like if uh, if this movie has a similar cult following like um uh rocky horror picture show or things mm-hmm. that the night of the paper hat would be like a big <laughs> you know in reference for people who love this movie um but anyway that's what gets Julia out of the dinner room and upstairs where she meets Frank and he is goopy and gross. Don't look at me. I love how often Frank says, Don't look at me, but then at the end he's like, I can't go out there. Look at me. <laughs> so it's like, first you're all don't look at me. Now you're looking at me, man. I can't I can't figure you out. <laughs> but um yeah, that's that's where Julia realizes, oh well, I mean Frank explains, I need more blood to become human. And I just thought And he's kind of unsure about it at first. It's like Oh, look what that bit of blood did. Maybe I, that's what I was saying. Is like he gets really far mm-hmm. with just hand blood, right. and then he needs an entire body to yeah. to get what looks like just the next step. Yep. It's really unclear, and I mm-hmm. hate this when they do this in movies. But yeah, I don't I don't know what it takes to reconstitute. Well, uh, you know, of course, by demon logic, it's the first uh, the first few bits gets you like a you know like a skeleton body and then after that you get like the the shiny flash and stuff what are you basing that on (laughs) i don't know just the movie that's really funny (laughs) that sounds like something i would say (laughs) nice co-host thanks uh let's see here next week uh um let's see after she goes up she agrees all right i'll do this for you um and then when uh she's leaving that she starts eyeing kirsty and you can tell in that moment she's thinking well i should take kirsty out right now that would make oh, this okay, really okay. easy and kirsty's like hey i'm here because mm-hmm. they don't have a great relationship at no. all kirsty like hates julia and it's it's clear like um like in the previous scene i think it was uh where larry says like hey you should be nice to her and something like that you should make peace with her sort yeah of thing, so because, I don't know, uh, I my parents are married, so I've never had to deal with that. But I feel like it's a pretty, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like, um, relatable thing for mm-hmm. people who have step-parents or uh, live in that kind of relationship of that, like, it could be for years of, like, well, you're the replacement or mm-hmm. you're, you know, I don't really know you. Um, and it makes me, like, 
I don't think anyone in the family knows that she and Frank were a thing. Because right. that would make it so much worse yep. for Kirsty. Like, I don't think Kirsty would talk to her at all. So, um, so yeah, they're really... It's like, Julia's already weird. Before mm-hmm. before Frank and all this nonsense yep. started showing up, she was standoffish. Mm-hmm. She clearly didn't love no. Larry. She was like, eh, let's marry him, whatever. Mar- how long have they been married? Is, is it 10 clear. years? Uh, is the idea that, like, since Frank has been gone? Pro- yeah, from that I mean, wedding? it has to be, yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, 10 years of absolute least, loveless. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Kirsty tries to open up, but Julia's eyeing her and thinking, well, I should take you out, but decides against it. Um, and is that when Kirsty goes back to her place and has her dream? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So she has a dream. I that, love this dream mm-hmm. sequence. Yeah, yeah. So she has this dream where her dad's flesh is getting torn off or something like that. I forgot exactly what it is. Oh, now. it's beautiful. So she's in a room and there's just feathers all over the place and there's yeah, fluttering. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And I remember just like just being like so like and what like is happening baby and there's a baby crying yeah, yeah yeah and that sound of the baby crying is so piercing mm-hmm. and so creepy yeah. as the there's like a slab like a dais uh in it front looks of like her. there's a body like a, a an body adult body under there. a sheet and, and then the slowly seeps blood blood yeah. on over the sheets and stuff until Kirsty reaches for the sheets and pulls them back and it's her dad and he's like all cut up and she wakes up well no she doesn't the boyfriend wakes up which I thought was a great bait and switch because I was like oh what was it his dream and no she's still dreaming she's freaking out so the boyfriend wakes her up and she's like oh it's just a bad dream Ugh. So then she calls her dad to tell her, hey, I had a weird dream about you. Are, Are you, you okay? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, is that a thing? Do people know. do that? Uh, they do in this movie. I I, I don't know. And so like, he wakes up and goes all the way downstairs where the phone is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes all the way downstairs to answer the phone just to tell her, no, no, it's fine. I'm fine. Uh, and then tells Julia she had a bad dream. Um, so then where does Larry go during the day? Does he have a job? I assume so. We it never is. learned we, what he does. We don't does. know, but he's away. Because it gives Julia plenty of time during the day to go out in full 80s, like, power suit. Oh, yeah. And, like, huge hairsprayed hair and massive eyeshadowness mm-hmm. um, to this bar and, like, a hotel. And why doesn't she just get hobos? We even yeah. see, like, a transient. And I kept thinking, like, oh, she's going to get him at some point. But mm-hmm. no, she goes to, like, an upscale rich bar where there's yep. people who would probably actively be missed, like, mm-hmm. later that day. And, yeah, she picks up this guy. Yeah, uh, and she does so very passively. Like, she doesn't... Like, it wasn't even her plan. Yeah, yeah. He does most of the work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's like... Was that, like, a convenience thing? Seriously. (laughs) Even, like, after he gets her... After she gets him all the way to the house, he's still the one going, like, well, isn't this why you brought me here? (laughs) Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so he... He, she convinces the this victim uh, to go all the way up to the top, uh, and then he starts to address, because, well, she's hot, so mm-hmm. if she wants to do it in a disgusting, musty attic hey, on game. the floor, then hey, I'm game. I love how obviously British his accent is, mm-hmm. too. Um, and so, funny thing, that actor uh, originally insisted that he be naked for that scene because he believed what? he believed he was like you know actors can be. Uh, he'll go over and he'll go. You know, I I think it'd be more honest to my character if I was completely nude. Wow! Because you know it's sexy time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently they uh, uh, did it. They mm-hmm. filmed it nude, and then they're like, okay, so we did that. Can you do a semi-nude yeah. version? And they're like, okay, so they went with the semi-nude version. Sure. You see in the movie where he just has. Yes, this yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but oh my god, man, he she hits him in the head with a hammer mm-hmm. on the back of the head, and then the front of his jaw like breaks his jaw, and he's like, "Please no!" And then one more blow to the head, and he is down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Frank comes crawling over. And he goes, "Don't look at me." <laughs> she goes into the bathroom, and another amazing scene of uh, uh, the actress's. Uh, the actress's name is Claire Higgins, who plays Julia Cotton, and she just stares into the mirror as she, like, struggles to hold on to her sanity and, like, yeah. lets a little smile creep onto her face before wiping all the blood off. And then Larry gets home, and she has to carry the body from mm-hmm. one room to the other, like, totally quiet. Yeah. And in that moment, well, I was like... Well, the other thing is, the attention yeah, yeah. to detail is when, um, when we see that room again, when she walks back into the room where Frank just... I don't know. Suck the blood out of. Oh uh, right, right. You see, like the, he has the same facial expression as he did when he was hitting the mm-hmm. hammer. So you see, like, oh, that was a good attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the she goes back in there to find the body like drained, and yeah, he's got that look of just like that agape mouth um, mm-hmm. and all the blood pouring out of it. Now Frank is much more formed. He looks way less like a puppet, you know, with a, a anime with a, a makeup on a man and then most of it's puppet. Now he's a full uh, person in uh, uh, makeup and things. I forgot his name. Um, he plays uh, Frank the Monster, Oliver Smith. So Frank mm-hmm. is played by two people oh. because the original voice actor Frank, you know, had to be overdubbed and then Frank the Monster is uh, Oliver uh, Smith. Um, yeah, it's really odd that they dub English over English. It's not like it's a spaghetti western. Or no, yeah, but it's like they... I, honestly, I kept thinking about it that if I believe this was taking place in Britain mm-hmm. as an American, it's yeah, like this it's doesn't fine. matter. Yeah, yeah. This is just some no, no fairy tale. There, yeah. yeah, but it's like once you put this in America, for me, I there's now so many preconceptions that you know get erased or, mm-hmm. or, or set up that now I'm in it and it's like mm-hmm. well this this could be happening this is happening yeah yeah and it looked like England too it like really the, did so a lot yeah. of it really looked like England yeah. um, let's see where were we so uh, she has to move the body from point A to point B and uh, we finally find out where uh, well. And then Kirsty goes on a date. Where, uh, where does she take the body? It's never clear. Well, we, we see it later. I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, where is she putting these bodies? What mm-hmm. is she doing with them? How is she disposing of them? But apparently she's just putting them in the wardrobe because Kirsty's uh, hiding it later. And one of the guys leans forward and maggots come pouring out of his gotcha, mouth onto gotcha. her. Okay. And she doesn't make a peep, which mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, good for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, Kirsty and her boyfriend Steve go for a walk and they're... It's the first time that we see the transient, or uh, the hobo, uh, mm-hmm. played by, I think his name was uh, Frank Baker? Yeah, Frank Baker, the derelict. Um, he's the, uh, like, hobo that keeps following her. Um, mm-hmm. The first time we see him is uh, looking out of, like, a shipping container, and every time we see him, we hear this sound effect of, like, fluttering, like, flapping mm-hmm. of wings and uh, birds, like a lot of birds or something like that. Um, anyway, they're, they share a kiss. There was literally, I, it's just a scene to set up that the, uh, derelict is, uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. I think we also see him before that when she, she's working at a... That's after. That's oh, number that's two. After? Just kidding. Yeah. That was a joke. But, uh, I mean, yeah, eventually we do see that, uh, Kirstie works at a pet store mm-hmm. and she's terrible. Yeah. There's, and they have monkeys there. Like, what kind of pet store is this? <laughs> <It's a> wild. <laughs> <laughs> there's the kid, like, banging on the glass mm-hmm. and there's this woman who's, like, demanding to see the manager and she's like, I'm sorry, he's not here. But then uh, the derelict is in the back. Or he just walks in, makes eye contact with her, and then goes just back. Walking. So he follows. she follows him, and he sees that he's eating crickets. Yeah. Really gross. Yeah. And just, like, 
like not says no words it's like what are you gonna do about it and he eventually she just like shoos him out like get out of here and he leaves and uh, once again with that like fluttering noise uh, he just kind of disappears because steve shows up and taps her on the shoulder and she goes ah in one of those you know like uh fake scares that we all love um let's see Oh, and that's when uh, uh, Julia gets another uh, victim. Uh, she goes back out, and she's wearing, like, yellow this time. I don't know. She looks... Or no. was that the first... I don't know. Whatever. No. She gets a second victim. Uh, and this time, she's a pro. She doesn't even, totally. like, blink. Doesn't even time. blink. Yeah. Beats him on the head, and then goes mm-hmm. and sits down in full David Bowie gear, <laughs> and just thinks and, like, smiles to herself. I love that long pan of her just, like, lavishing... Um, in that this this isn't a, a a typical horror slasher of the 80s in that there's just someone wantonly killing the sexiest people running around for no reason like slumber party massacre or even mm-hmm. you know uh, 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 Friday the 13th this is Julia is killing for love mm-hmm. it's like a lustful love but yeah. it's love and so you know she's she's doing this because she in her own way this is her pleasure pain to get that roughness that frank could give her that uh that her husband the brother larry never could he's he's really old worm so uh in fact they're watching boxing together later and uh frank is or larry is really into it but frank is upstairs having like a temper tantrum banging on uh banisters and things larry hears it and Julia goes into full, like, oh, I love you. You're so sexy. Oh, pay attention to me mode. And uh, Larry's, like, kind of buying it. Yeah, I love a little bit before that. They're, they're watching boxing, and it seems like she was never into boxing. But now that she's killed, she's like, oh, she, like, smiles as she's yeah. watching. And he's like, oh, I know you don't like to watch this. Maybe let's watch something else. Yeah, he's like, you don't, would you mind if I change? She's like, no. Uh, mm-hmm. Or he says, uh, are you okay? She's like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's a good point. I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she, she's, now she's into violence yeah. and into that whole world. Um, so she kind of convinces uh, Larry not to go all the way up into the attic, but instead into this little side room where they start making sexy time and she's like oh oh, i love you so much but this scene is so weird Mm -hmm. frank comes out of the closet he 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 snuck down from the attic to this extra room and is in the closet creeping closer and closer with the same switchblade that he used to cut her like bra strap on the night of the wedding day and it's like his you know calling card the switchblade and Julia is on her back. Larry's on her, so Larry doesn't see any of this as Julia is saying, No! No, stop! I can't bear it! Larry doesn't stop! Larry has to assume (laughs) that she's saying it about him and what he's doing. What did you think about that? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, That that was odd. I mean, I thought like maybe maybe it was like she was imagining it or something like that. Like it didn't really happen until... But Larry should stop. If you're... Okay, like, this isn't a a sexist thing, but... Maybe she she was imagining screaming, is what I thought. Oh, you think she wasn't actually saying, no, Mm -hmm. I can't bear it. That's that's what I thought was happening, because it was, like, clear... Okay, that's great. That's the mental gymnastics you had to go through to explain why Larry is being a terrible husband right right now. 
I don't care if you're a man, a woman, whatever. If you are making out and being loving on a person who is saying out loud, no, stop, I can't, I can't bear it, it. Yeah. you stop. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let them get to, I can't bear it. You should stop at the first no. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh, God, yeah. So, so finally, after Frank gets all the way to the bed, like, cuts open a rat just yeah. to show her like this is what i could this done. is what i could have done <laughs> this is what i'm capable yeah. of folds the rat back up slinks back to the closet closes the door before larry do, stops do we see that do we see him oh i back? guess he doesn't yeah, yeah we, he, we don't see it he just is, vanishes which is why i like when it comes back i was like oh did she imagine it that's ah. why i was like i wasn't clear I interpreted it as it was all real. Because like, no, really he doesn't slick. have supernatural powers. We yeah. never set that up beyond straw fingers. Yeah. But that's the only thing we ever see. Because like, how does he not notice some guy slinking back? I, feel, I feel like you can feel another person's energy, <laughs> yeah. like when they're in a room when it's that small yeah. and you're making out. <laughs> um, yeah, but then Larry's like, "I just don't understand you." Yeah. One second you're all over me, and the next, I just don't understand you. <laughs> and then uh, leaves. Um, let's see, uh, is that when, that's when he goes to a Chinese restaurant, uh, and sits down with Kirsty, and they have a real heart-to-heart about, um, Kirsty's like, you love her, so there must be something worth loving, and he's mm-hmm. like, I wish it was that simple. I'm in real trouble here, kid. And, like, I really felt for him. Mm-hmm. This is something that, uh, Clive Barker really pushed for having actual good actors in this movie mm-hmm. when the popular thing at the time was to cast nobodies because they're going to die anyway sure. but clive barker uh has like you know a friend andrew robinson who's a stage actor in london uh be in this movie mm-hmm. as larry's to to really get that across in fact the production company wanted to cast stuntmen as the cenobites really? as the cenobites Uh-oh. because they said well they don't right. say anything they're yeah. just standing there and clive barker said no 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 even if they don't say anything their body language will sure portray character um and i would say so like the fat one and the chatterer they don't say anything but but there's definitely you can see their character just by the way they move yeah and so clive barker like good for him pushing on that especially when you're a first-time director i could imagine just wanting to go "Mm, okay i'll do what you want (laughs) um but you know he's he'd been doing that with his other books so Mm -hmm. i'm sure at this point he's like no i'm gonna do it my way as much as i can with as little butt thrust as possible um (laughs) the magic trust yeah yeah so uh i don't know if you noticed but the sound in the chinese restaurant is pretty crappy and it's really rushed they have literally like two angles uh there's just like the one camera setup for larry and for julia and it just cuts back and forth to those Mm -hmm. there's no other really like there's the establishing shot but that's it the reason is that apparently that night the location person to let the crew and cast and everyone into the chinese restaurant was extremely late so they mm-hmm. had to film that scene on a super truncated schedule, and uh, that's why it, it seems so rushed. They didn't have time to set up the whole thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I didn't really notice it. Uh, I, you know, I did. You know, now that you mentioned it, yeah, it was like a two shots going back and forth between them. But and it just like ends abruptly yeah. too, because uh, he says, um, "Maybe you could talk to her. Come by, and you mm-hmm. know." Maybe she just needs someone maybe to she talk needs to. A friend, yeah, yeah, maybe she just needs a friend. Yeah. And then it cuts to uh, Frank at the stairs saying, "You can't love him." <laughs> and she's like, "You know I don't." Yeah, then like, what's well, the problem? <laughs> then what's yeah? It's like I won't. I won't kill him. I'll kill anyone else. Ask anyone else. Um, so she does one last time. She decides to go out and get a John uh, uh, guy, but this time Kirsty sees she's mm-hmm. uh, like across the street or right. whatever, or like. 
they live in like a forest or yeah. something. That house is like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's she's over on the the grassy knoll and sees cursed. I mean, um, Julia bring in this other guy. So she thinks, oh, she's having an affair, mm-hmm. which is totally reasonable. Yeah. It explains so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, she's having an affair. So. Uh, <laughs> this this guy, the third victim, is the most pathetic one of all of them. He's in the house. He's with the woman. He's ready to go. And as they're going up to what he can only assume is her bedroom, he stops her and goes, I get lonely sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, offers that up. Worst time to bring that up. <laughs> like, dude, you did the work. You don't have to do that anymore. Oh, man. Maybe bring it up after? I don't know. I mean, Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would have stopped. (laughs) I know. Super funny. Um, And then he almost lives, too. He can get all the way up to the attic, and the first blow to the head, he, like, survives and Mm -hmm. manages to grab uh, Julia. (laughs) And so there's a scuffle that Kirsty now hears up there, and so she's creeping her way up to the attic when um, Frank comes from behind and uh, starts straw-fingering him. But... The guy is still alive and mm-hmm. conscious, so he tell he begs uh, right. Julia, please don't let him kill me, and mm-hmm. she leaves. And I thought that's a great moment because mm-hmm. up until now, the two others she killed before Frank got yeah. to him. So now we see that he does it whether you're alive or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because when Kirsty gets to the top of the stairs, he the the, the victim comes out of the doorway, and he's mm-hmm. like all like he doesn't look like what I expect him mm-hmm. to. I thought he would be like shriveled and weak, but he's more like melty and mm-hmm. gooey and yeah, things. Gooey. I don't know. Yeah, what? It's like Frank. How would you describe it? Yeah, gooey. Gooey is a good um, description. The, the other thing Thank I, you. I, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I noticed, like, kind of could have fought back more. I don't know if I don't he know was if it disabled was disabled or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the blow to the head. Mm-hmm. God, oh, those hammer head mm-hmm. hits really get me, man. Mm-hmm. I that seems like the worst, the worst way. Oh, because mm-hmm. it's not like. In the movies, <laughs> this is a movie, but it's like in the sure, movies, right. it's like one blow to the head and you're knocked out. This yeah. was way more realistic, and mm-hmm. like they take a blow to the head and they're they're still up, right. and it's just oh my god, just intense yeah. pain and brain damage probably. Yeah. Although, from what I understand, it doesn't hurt as much to get hit in the head because you don't have as many like pain receptors there. Oh really? So it wouldn't hurt that bad, but you'd probably, you know, wouldn't be mentally. <laughs> Capable of moving all your limbs or something like that. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, let's find out. Yeah. So, uh, Kirsty now knows that uh, something is up there eating people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's Frank. Frank pops out and says, like, hello, it's me. Come to daddy. Mm-hmm. Kirsty, come to daddy. And uh, I forget how the box, is it just sitting in there? She picks it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he had it earlier and was explaining to Julia what happened to him um, and explained that that's where he sets up that, oh, nothing was getting me off anymore. And so I found this puzzle and these monsters came out and they tore me apart and they took me to this terrible place. And Julia can, like, barely take it. Um, So Kirsty. Pain and pleasure. uh, Yeah. Indescribable or, like, can't be discerned. Couldn't talk right into that uh, metal thing there. (laughs) No worries. You're like, a little closer, maybe? Yep. Um, what were we saying? He's like saying pleasure and pain is indiscernible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's us. Totally. It's one of the themes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll save that for the end. Um, but Kirsty picks up the box and Frank immediately overplays no! his hand. Yeah, he's like, no, give that to me. And Kirsty's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. She goes, 
you want this? You want this? He's like, give it to me. And he, she throws it out the window, and Frank just screams, because I guess he can't leave the house. Because um, people will see him. That's oh, weird. that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she runs out. She grabs the box, which gives off, like, an electric charge when she which touches Which is very, it. like, 80s graphic. Oh, oh, my God. So, yeah, uh, the visual effects in this movie... Uh, Apparently, they ran out of money by the tell. time the movie was made, and Clive Barker himself and, quote, a Greek guy, unquote, <laughs> edited the film together over a weekend, uh, and Frank, uh, or um, uh, Clive Barker said, I'm amazed it looks as good as it does, considering how much alcohol we drank that weekend. And it doesn't look that bad. It doesn't look great, right. but it doesn't look... You know, as bad as I would expect from a situation sure. like that. What was it like hand drawn afterwards? Yes, literally, um, a, a visual effects back then, you know, before CGI and all of that, was literally hand drawn on each frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, is how they would do wow. visual effects. Um, so very, very different time. Probably no less time consuming. I don't know. Maybe definitely more mm-hmm. than the way they do it now. So this is great. We get a location change. Kirsty uh, is running around town trying to get away from his influence, I guess, because she's he's still calling out to her. Mm-hmm. It's some connection by touching the box um, that doesn't happen to other characters, and we'll get to this in a second, but mm-hmm. she collapses either from emotional stress or running too long or the effect of the cube. It's unclear, yeah. but she collapses, and three Samaritans come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. crowd the lens, the frame, and go, are you okay? And then she wakes up in a hospital, a brand new location, uh, where a creepy nurse is sitting at the foot of the bed watching a TV show of flowers blooming. <laughs> like, it's the flowers blooming uh, show on that TV. Hang on. <laughs> I think I've seen this one before. Hey, kids, gather around. You're going to be late. It's the new episode. Um, <laughs> this week on Flower Blossoming. Turnips. Uh, and uh, my boyfriend was watching at the time, and uh, he remarked that the, the flower on the TV show was a carnation. And he was like, mm. oh, why are they watching that? A carnation. The daisy of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, so th- she wakes up. The doctor comes in, and she's like, I want to call my dad. And the doctor's like, first things first, get into bed. We'll call your dad, but get into bed. Oh, and also, do you know what this is? And he pulls out the puzzle box. It has no effect on him because he's just like, well, you were holding on to it when we found you. Maybe it'll jog your memory. And they leave. They lock her in. Yeah. And uh, she just starts well, playing with the box. The other thing is she says, like, oh, you, you'll have to explain this to the cops or something about it. Like, oh, that's right. Like, yeah. What? Is, is that... she cr- criminally charged with anything? Well, I think, they suspect? I think technically when you're uh, admitted as, like, a Jane Doe, that, mm-hmm. yeah, they have to bring the police in to help, you know, like, uh, ask questions and get your identity. But, um, but no, she's not a Jane Doe because her boyfriend finds her later. Right. Steve shows up and is like, oh, well, she's not there. But, yeah, he knows where the room is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then she... So she starts playing with the box, mm-hmm. and um, amazingly enough, like, kind of figures out how to do with it, but it gives her a shock, mm-hmm. and it starts to, like, solve itself, and it fits itself wrong. It, like, uh, you know, it's not a cube anymore. It's now yeah, this weird it's, shape. It's like a star or something. And that's when the walls, like, open up, mm-hmm. and now there's this long hallway where there was walls before, and she goes in, and she goes down this long hallway full of smoke and things. And I remember, that's a really suspenseful scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where she's, like, getting closer and closer to the threshold of this chamber, doorway, yeah. chamber, whatever yeah. it is. And she goes through it, and she keeps going deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. And that's when this monster shows up. And, ah, oh, this monster. Like, So I looked I looked up the name. It's called The Engineer. It's right? The Engineer, Which, yeah. As an engineer myself, I find very, very offensive. <laughs> this is not very representative of, of who we are. 
I don't. It's mm. it's 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 an example of just like over designed. Mm-hmm. It's just got too much going on. The mm-hmm. bottom part of it, it, it's supposed to be like vaguely phallic in that the top oh, part of it, you know, is like a long elongated thing, but also the head is an extended long part mm-hmm. of it on the bottom. So I feel like it's supposed to be phallic in that way. But the way it moves, just it doesn't look like it makes sense. It somehow supports itself by its two upper arms, while its lower ones can just reach out. And I guess it must be like have some really strong muscles. Yeah, I guess like pushing the walls as like Jean Claude Van Damme. See, if I can't even explain, like if it looks like it should be falling over, Mm -hmm. then I can't be scared of it at the same time. (laughs) That being said, the speed and insistency that that it's like chomping at her ankles gets me back there again and it's Mm -hmm. like oh my god it's like right there and they do such a good job with like the mashing of the teeth that makes Mm -hmm. it really seem i feel like it's a really good trick of don't show the thing for too long just get really quick like you know chompings or things like that yeah it was it was still really dark in that room, mm-hmm. and you can only see like his face for a little bit, and then like his upper body or whatever for yeah. a little bit. It was, it was great. You don't yeah. have to show more than That's that. That's the thing. It's the shot. It's the long shot of its entire body that mm-hmm. kills it for me. Like mm-hmm. I would like it if I couldn't figure out its physiology yeah. exactly. Um, but anyway, it chases her all the way down that hallway, and she gets out. And when she turns around, the doorway's gone. Mm-hmm. But it's like right behind the wall. Yeah. Oh, I love and that she moment just too. Made it. She barely made yeah. it, and it's still there. And if mm-hmm. she doesn't solve the box again, then it's it could still break through. And somehow she, yeah, she figures it out that you have to like pop raise, it, twist yeah, it. She, yeah, she, <laughs> she figures it out um, and closes it down. And uh, that's or no, she doesn't. She tries to, and the Cenobites show up in oh, the hospital so room, and they tell her like. All right, here we go. This is what this is how you it works. You summoned us. You solve it. You summon us, and then we take you away. And she goes. She manages to say, "Like, no, you guys have done this before, right?" And he's like, "Many times." Um, apparently, Doug Baker, uh, Doug Bradley, the actor who played the lead Cenobite Pinhead. Um, he has those black contacts on. Mm-hmm. He couldn't see through them. He was completely <laughs> blind. And there were a bunch. There were a few moments where, like, he bumped into things or like <laughs> missed his mark because he was afraid of walking too sure. far. One hundred percent blind. Um, while he's delivering those iconic lines, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, angels to some, demons to others. This is like the longest time Pinhead talks in yeah. the movie. Otherwise, they're just like, "We will tear your soul apart." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so she convinces them, "You've done this with." Frank, a man named Frank Cotton, and uh, he's like, he escaped you. And Pinhead's like, no, no one has ever escaped us. And he's like, he did, he did. He, I know where he is. And then Pinhead's like, suggesting someone had escaped us. Let's just say for instance. It's so funny. It's like he's a PR guy, and he's like, no, no, that never happened. And then he just got word like, oh, oh, what? They did. They did escape. Let's let's pretend. Okay, assuming, assuming he had escaped. Let's just hypothetically, what are you offering? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, and uh, she's like, I'll give you him for me. And uh, the the female one's like, suppose we like you more. But Pinhead trumps her and is like, I want to hear it from him. So they, I guess they teleport there because mm-hmm. the nurse doesn't know where she is. It yeah. was locked. Steve goes in. And he's like, "Where is oh, she?" Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're gone. Yeah, so I guess they like teleported away. Um, that's when, uh, basically, long story short, Larry came home. Frank is we. 
it's obvious, so I'm not gonna you know beat around the bush. Frank is now wearing Larry's skin. Mm-hmm. He's like making sure it's pushed back. But now that he has a physical body and a penis, uh, he's able to have sex with Julia, and Julia is finally getting everything she wants. Kirsty comes home mm-hmm. and is like, "Dad, Dad." No, which actor is now playing uh, Frank? Frank. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Robinson, Larry. Is that Larry? So okay, it's yeah. actually like Andrew Robinson does a great job yeah. in this movie because yeah, oh, he has to play Frank possessing him, yeah. like in his skin, which, which he, he does an incredible job. He does a great yeah. job. There's not a moment when he is Frank that I'm like, that's a different person. Yeah. That's a different dude wearing mm-hmm. his skin. Right. And yeah, just like just from an acting perspective, incredible. Yeah. Does a great job. Convinces his own daughter right. that it's like, no, you don't understand. Frank's alive. He's up in the attic, mm-hmm. and we have to get out of here. And he's like, no, what Frank did was unspeakable. So we we had to kill him. We killed him. Yeah. He was a mad dog. We had to put him out of his misery. She's like, what? I just made a deal with some demons to exchange them. That's not good for me. Dad, I got into some stuff. Um, Uh, And uh, let's see. Then eventually it comes out. She goes up and she sees a skinned body. Which she still thinks is Frank. She thinks it's Frank. So the Cenobites are up there and they say, we want who did this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. Just like script wise, the like dramatic irony of what we know versus what she believes. Mm -hmm. She goes, no, he's my father and you can't have him. Cause she thinks they skinned him. Well, that he never had skin that that was dead. Frank. That was Frank. And then they want his, her dad. Now they want the person who killed Frank their kill that they wanted now, do they know i assume that they the know. cenobites do know okay. yeah and it's they're like <laughs> they're like <laughs> cryptic. cryptic way exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. let's not give this away to her <laughs> so now kirsty goes back downstairs to tell frank but frank lays it all i mean larry but larry lays it all out by saying mm-hmm. come to daddy stay here you can be happy with us and she puts it together like mm-hmm. oh my god this is frank oh uh Julia grabs Kirsty. Frank pulls out his switchblade that he's about to stab Kirsty with, and Kirsty spins out of there. Last so second. Larry stabs Julia, and Julia screams in this beautifully realistic, just like, "Oh my God! Everything I've done was for nothing. Not me!" As she gets stabbed, and then Frank wastes no time in sucking her dry and saying, "Nothing personal, baby." What a monster! Oh yeah. What a just like. The worst person mm-hmm. in this movie. Yep. Worse than the pan- worse than the Cenobites. Worse than everything. Yeah. Just he forced her to shed off her humanity for what she believed was his honest love. Mm-hmm. And the moment that it, it she she's dying, he he descends and is like yeah. just drinks her dry. Um so now, so now the only living people is uh, Frank. Frank wearing Larry's skin and Kirsty. Mm-hmm. So we shift to a cat and mouse where they cut all the music out and she's just creeping uh, no, around no, no, the house. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she goes into that room that we saw Julia carry the body into. And we can only assume the other two mm-hmm. are in there. Um, and so Kirsty sneaks, hides inside a wardrobe like you do in horror movies. Mm-hmm. And one of the bodies like leans forward and just empties maggots right, all right. over her. And that's, I, I remember writing down on the first viewing early on, where does she do the bodies? What is she doing with them? Yeah. She was that, just putting my, yeah. them in the wardrobe because she assumed we're never going to unpack this room. No. And he just 
vomits all of these uh, maggots onto her, and good for her. She doesn't make a peep. Mm-hmm. She doesn't make a sound. I would have screamed. Mm-hmm. So then she also has like a lot of um, like presence of mind while she's being like almost taken to this demon world to. Yeah, considering she just saw something that should have destroyed her mind (laughs) of like, oh, there's other dimensions and crap. She she keeps her head on the swivel. She knows what's up. Hey, I can get you someone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like she hates pranks so much. Right away, she's like, oh no, 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 no. I know a better one. Um, So this is a great how she gets caught. She goes out to the banister, and it just all starts hitting her all at once. Mm -hmm. That it's like my dad's dead my whole life is falling apart and she starts to cry and she starts to like convulse a little bit and that's how frank hears her comes over to her and they manage to get their way back into the attic and kirsty uh, i mean uh frank has his knife and he's about to get her and the walls start smoking and lighting up and frank is like what is this like he's never seen the set of life <laughs> yeah, before like, oh. what could this be and he spent like 10 years in this dungeon there's light coming from every angle and he's like what is this not familiar just some cars driving by um and yeah the cenobites show up and they start throwing chains well before that um she says like oh it's frank You're like yes it's frank he, he says he says that yeah that's right he confirms for her <laughs> which and was really important to the well because she kind of collapses next to the body and realizes that it's her dad and there's mm-hmm. that really sad moment yeah um so he's getting closer mm-hmm. did you oh well, for, some, for some reason uh what do you call those uh, demons uh the, the cenobites cenobites really need him to say that for some reason. That's it. That's right. Yeah. We wanted to hear it from your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, once he says, like, yeah, I'm Frank. It's it's kinkier that way. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's not true yeah. or it doesn't work. It's not binding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Frank gets chained everywhere. And this is another one of those moments where if uh, they had lingered too long on the fleshes of skin, the patches of skin, mm-hmm. it would, it would, be, clear it that... would be obvious that that's not real skin. But just, like, even if you know it's not real, mm-hmm. just... The, the hook of it yeah. and pull just long enough to make you cringe and picture it on your own body yeah. uh, is great. They start chaining him everywhere mm-hmm. and everywhere. And then when he's like stretched to the brim, he starts licking his lips at oh, Kirsty yeah, yeah. one last time and then says this amazing final line Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. The original, and then gets viscerated, ripped yeah. apart. We don't really get to see it because Kirsty closes the door. Originally, the line in the script was, fuck you. Mm. He was just going to look at Kirsty and say, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actor said, I, I'd i like to say Jesus wept. I think that'd be more impactful. And so they went with it. And I think it is. Yeah. Especially considering that there was a lot of Christ There was a lot of um, and, like Christian iconography. Mm-hmm. And like uh, even when she's, I guess that one scene where she is walking into the house, she sees a... Um, I don't remember what it's it was. It's Frank's, exactly. like, Jesus, like, culty. He like had, major, like, a Virgin Mary yeah. that he had, uh, a, like, made obscene. And he <laughs> had, uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, Jesus and Christ uh, imagery and things mm-hmm. in there. And every character in the movie says Jesus Christ at right. least once at some point. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Kirsty is creeping around into that wardrobe, when she first opens it, a Jesus figure pops out mm-hmm. and scares her. And I literally thought... When it cops out, it goes, oh, Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus. And I like laughed to myself. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, so he says Jesus wept. He gets ripped apart. And you'd think this was the end of it. But now the Cenobites are like, okay, mm-hmm. your turn. We're here to take you. Mm-hmm. They they were going back on their deal. Yeah. Like they, they, they have no, no this honor. This is why I don't make deals with demons. You, you know, they, they have oh, this no is why honor. you don't? Yeah. <laughs> 
this is why one doesn't make right, the deal yeah. <laughs> let this be a lesson to you kids um yeah so now they're trying to they're trying the to, same thing yeah, they're trying to get her. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Steve shows up, and as uh, like as the house is falling apart, <laughs> she figures out how to send them back. And this is what's weird to me. It's like it's so it's a, weird. It's, it's always a different puzzle so that you have to like. Oh, now it's uh, bop it, twist it. You literally, yeah. You just have to. It goes up really slow, yeah, and then it goes it down. down really slow, and then they get electrocuted away they, they turn green into why are they this, in pain this time every other time they left it always seemed like it was just poof vanish mm-hmm. but is it it so i was like oh is it because they didn't finish why they were summoned mm-hmm. like usually when they're summoned they do something and then close it on their own mm-hmm. this is the first time that they were summoned by someone and they didn't get them um maybe maybe, maybe they just they just wanted to show her this pleasure thing so badly. I just think it's hilarious that she uses it on three of the Cenobites. She mm-hmm. sends Pinhead back, she sends the Chatterer back, and she sends the, the female Cenobite back. And then when the fat one with the mm-hmm. glasses shows up and is about to get Steve, some rubble falls, crushes it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's done. It's done. You don't have to send him to the... Like, the I imagine the police are going to find it later <laughs> hey, when they're clearing out the rubble. And look. Who's this monster without guts? Oh my god! That so you're saying there were originally four of them. You sent three of them into the realm. She didn't have to send that one back. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then you still think it might be over, but the the door, the front door, opens to a void. It's nothing outside. And uh, then the engineer shows up mm-hmm. again, and she drops the, the the puzzle box, which now has created one new Triangle, configuration yeah. that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Usually they've all been, like, up and down, but this one is twisted mm-hmm. for the first time. And you can tell that the box never did that before. It's got a new hinge on it. But um, this is another great moment where the, the engineer is just, like, scrabbling, trying to keep, get the box. They're now, like, trying to get the boxes. Like, he's trying to keep her away from it. And yeah. So they're, like, playing, I don't know what we call like, it. Like, oh, my God, it's kind of funny. It's yeah. kind of silly. They're just, like, sitting in front of each other, like, crisscross applesauce, just like, give me, give me, no, 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 give me, give me, no, 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 no. Um, and then one of the best moments that uh, the actress who plays Kirsty, uh, Ashley Lawrence, this wonderful moment where, so she gets the box, Steve kind of reaches for it, like, to help, and she, like, goes, like, God Give me that, you freaking idiot! You have no idea what you're doing! Let me do this! And then fixes it. The engineer gets electrocuted away. They open the door again, and it's outside. But the house is on fire, and it's falling apart. So I assume they go a safe distance and watch the entire house burn all the way down to ash. No fire department came. No police were called. No one in the area saw. And then it's revealed that the house was like... Near industrial buildings and things. It's so weird. I thought it was in the forest. Yeah. And uh, so then the final thing is um, Kirsty and her boyfriend Steve have the puzzle box and they walk over to a smoldering pile, put it in the fire, and the derelict shows up again. Which We've was seen the, once. Hobo the, the hobo from, from earlier who was eating crickets. He walks up to the fire, reaches his hand into the uh, fire, and takes out the puzzle box. Then he catches on fire, sheds his skin, mm-hmm. turns into like a Baphomet skeleton goat head mm-hmm. demon flying demon thing. thing, flies away, and then it Looney Tunes back into the box from mm-hmm. the uh, very beginning in Morocco where the guy says, 
what's your pleasure, sir, to a new guy right. that looks too much like Frank. <laughs> like, what <laughs> the hell? Oh, my God, that was something that, yeah, I was like, oh, is it a time loop? But no, it's just, like, this Moroccan guy, I guess, like, has a deal with them somehow. Maybe for eternal life. Like, is that is that the, uh, like, is the derelict changing his, his appearance? Oh, I didn't think about that. I assumed he just is a deliverer, that the, the derelict goes wherever it's summoned, <laughs> and then when it's done, he yeah. flies it back to Morocco. <laughs> I mean, that guy just sells boxes. He's just yeah. hustling. Oh, God. So that's the movie of Pumpkinhead. Um, uh, Pumpkinhead. I, I mean, that's the movie of Pinhead. I mean, oh, Hellraiser. <laughs> So yeah, that's the recap, and uh, now I'd like to go into some of the themes and uh, uh, things that we mentioned, um, I guess kind of earlier, but dive into them. Uh, did you have any that you wanted to hammer on? Yeah, there's a lot of um, like demon iconography like mixed in with like Christian iconography. That's a good place to start. Clive Barker was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know how seriously he's taking it now considering he's openly gay. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, there's some gay Catholics. Um, and I have to imagine that played into a lot of the imagery and things. I mean, notwithstanding all the Jesus mentions and things, but that Frank, like before he even started down the Cenobite path was already defacing religious iconography. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, for fun yeah. or was he like really seeking i really wish I, they fleshed frank yeah, out a little more <laughs> no pun intended flushed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him to another dimension yeah but i mean as far as frank before he turns into the monster goes is he's like a young let's okay let's try and break this down larry and frank are brothers larry seems like a pretty well-rounded if Maybe a little boring. Pathetic. Yeah. yeah, a little boring, but he's safe. Mm -hmm. um, brother to him. And Frank is like a druggie and, uh, you know, sex maniac. Mm -hmm. Why is he invited to the wedding? Well, he's his brother. You know. Really? Yeah. I like, mean, are you still going to invite toxic people who probably steal money from you and you haven't seen, like... I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That was yeah. that was hard for me to empathize. Is that something like? I, do, do you have any siblings? I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do you? Are there people in your life who you hate? <laughs> who still invite to the wedding? Yeah, or, I don't know. I don't know either. Like, yeah. I'm not going to invite a past employer of mine mm -hmm. like to the wedding if if we had a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. So that that was weird. But Frank is a monster, and and Julia. Julia loves it, mm -hmm. and it's it's a theme of this abusive relationship. Kind of like this, this bad boy. Yeah, like you're like, oh, okay, maybe he's just gone to jail. This is like a typical sort of, you know, uh, someone who's doesn't fit in with society, sort of thing. Yeah, and then it's like, uh, that's what I mean. I, I, there's no, it's not clear how, like, when that starts happening. Like, mm -hmm. is he already kind of like that when he shows up for Julia, or is it? after he goes nothing does it anymore or whatever i don't know I, I guess we, we could tie that into the the christian thing of like oh you know just being a hedonist just seeking just raw pleasure and this this is where it'll get you sort of oh that's a, like from a moralistic standpoint mm -hmm. that it's right. like yeah uh giving into all your earthly pleasures and things at what cost? Right. See, this is the, the thing I like about horror movies. Is it, tell, it, it examines how far would we go to, I don't know, for like lustful nostalgia mm -hmm. to get that lover back that gave you everything you wanted in a way no man ever could or no mm -hmm. woman ever could, no person ever could. Yeah. But 
he's abusive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a theme is the idea of a person staying in a obviously abusive relationship Mm -hmm. taken to the nth degree where he's not he's not beating her and he's not being verbally abusive. He's just forcing her to murder people Mm -hmm. for him. She's, he's forcing her to throw all of her humanity and everything she decides is good about herself or, yeah, to be with him. Which is, I guess, kind of ironic because he just went through the same thing. He he, he sought pleasure to such a degree that it was... That destroyed him. destroyed him, yeah. And that's kind of happening. And now that's what she's falling yeah. into. That, yeah, she's going to pursue pleasure to the point mm-hmm. of self-destruction. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's ju- uh, a definite... Uh, reflection of the S&M clubs mm-hmm. that the movies are kind of uh, based around. Um, so, like I said, I've never been to those before, but based on TV and movies, I understand that there there's two worlds. There's sadism, like, you know, physically harming uh, oneself or each other, and then there's masochism, which is, uh, like, the, the bondage things. Uh, mm. And I believe that's the difference. I might have them. Oh. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Is I, that I thought, I thought it was not like... all sadomasochists like pain? It's more about like discomfort, like body, mm. like they'll, you know, have those like leather uh, restriction masks things that, mm-hmm. you know, only zip up here. Or they'll have, you know, compression suits. Uh, so the, I don't know. Is that your understanding? Uh, I, I thought like sadicus meant like you enjoy giving. Uh, pain others and masochist means like you enjoy oh is that what it means sadism is inflicting pain Mm -hmm. masochism is receiving pain i think so oh it could be we should probably look that up to confirm maybe but uh i wonder if clive barker like you know voluntarily voluntarily went to these clubs before writing some research or if he you know had to do some research or both yeah i don't Mm -hmm. know um but uh that was something else we mentioned is that frank doesn't look like i would imagine somebody who doesn't who's just exhausted every earthly pleasure mm-hmm. they can imagine like he should either be obese you know like from <laughs> eating like overindulgence yeah. or he should be i feel like he should be one of the extremes mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. but think about real hedonists yeah. like they're the wealthy that's another thing i feel like you'd have to be pretty wealthy to to be able to enjoy all of earth's worldly pleasures mm. i imagine some of the more like you know hostile level stuff is pretty expensive <laughs> Um, but maybe he never got that far. Yeah, but he was too busy. Or maybe he was more concerned about physical, mm-hmm. you know, personal physical than, than pain on others. Um, but you wouldn't know that with how hard he has sex, man. Mm-hmm. He's a rough lover. But still two pumps. Still only two pumps. <laughs> He's a two and done. Um, yeah, so the abusive relationship, coming back to that, I've personally never experienced that. And I don't think I know anyone in my life who's in one, but... From what I understand, it, it it can sometimes be like impossible to to know without other people like reminding you what normal is. That mm-hmm. that the human mind can can do all kinds of things to cope when it doesn't believe there's any way out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people will make up excuses, saying like, "Oh, you don't know him like I do," or "Oh, she's not like, the same person." Like like being in all those uh, we'll hear of these domestic abuse cases where you know. Uh, the woman feels like, oh, this is kind of a normal thing now, and it's it's gone. From... Or or they've been so beaten down by mm-hmm. the physical and mental and verbal abuse that it's like, well, who else would love me like they do? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, this is what I deserve, or things like that. Julia seems to have more agency than that, mm-hmm. in that she wants it, and she's willing to make it happen, 
but she doesn't know what she's getting. Right. Like, what she wants is just an angry lover, mm-hmm. and what she's getting is a psychopath, <laughs> a murderous psychopath who spent 10 years in purgatory. <laughs> it's not hell. They, 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 no, they, they like, make that distinction. Yeah. I like to think it's the same realm that Event Horizon passes through. Uh, it's that movie with Sam Neill where they're on a ship that goes through a warp to travel, but the warp goes through what we would consider hell mm. to get there, and so it destroys people's minds and stuff like that, kind of like a Warhammer. Mm. Um, but uh, I like to imagine that's the same realm there. Uh, but yeah, they say angels to some and demons to others. Are there really people who solved that puzzle box and were loving what they got seriously (laughs) it seems like it's just immediate death it brings you we don't see the other world that he's in we kind of see this like oh do we 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 do see like his flesh being ripped out and like on like a spinning pillar and then yeah there's a spinning pillar with like pins stuck to it and like guts and i don't know i guess because it's really pleasurable somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I haven't experienced enough <laughs> earthly pleasures. I haven't skydived yet. Yep. <laughs> um, don't do it, man. Next thing you know, you're going to be opening boxes too. And I'll be uh, sl- becoming a slave to mm-hmm. abusive people. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you wanted to hit on there before we move on to the next theme? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think that's good. Well, that. there's that stepmom theme. The idea of like, well, no matter how weird or whatever I feel about her, my dad likes her and I need mm-hmm. to support my dad. And it isn't until they have that Chinese restaurant scene that he opens up and says, I don't even think I love her. She doesn't even want to go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I said, both of my parents are married and I've never had that. Do you have any no. uh, step family or anything no. like that? Half? Well, you said you don't have any siblings, but... Um, God, I wonder what that, what, like, I, what what am I trying to say here? Like, I didn't question a lot of the things that she wasn't questioning Mm -hmm. because of that relationship and that established, uh, like, universalness of wanting to support your dad in a decision that you aren't so sure about, but Mm -hmm. you trust him. Like, you trust your parents. You want to believe as a person as, you know, old as Kirstie or even as young that your parents aren't total idiots Mm -hmm. and you know uh will treat themselves with respect and if they're gonna love someone then they're not gonna be a monster yeah and i guess like it seems like a an ordinary story at that point or but he's in an abusive relationship she's Mm -hmm. neglectful to him so in that way it's like why why does he why does he stick around with her yeah although i guess it's not like she needed a mom before that point though right no, it's just when they first walk through the house, something about her seems yeah, she seems she seems off, off she and like, distant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe it was because she remembered this as Frank's house or mm-hmm. or something, or she's just remembering Frank. But I don't know. It seems like she was never like yeah. She, she says that she was never in love with uh, yeah with Frank's son. But or not for Larry. with Larry, yeah. never. Yeah, yeah, that she was. Why did she marry him <laughs> then? To get to Frank? Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's really wealthy, but somehow wants to live in this weird. House in the middle of nowhere? No, it makes no sense. Well, so I don't know, like, if there was supposed to be a, a, a thing there of, like, well, you know, sometimes step-parents who, you know, sometimes their relationship, you do want to talk and say, hey, this is how I feel. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. I assume you love her. Is that right? Like, because as, as mm-hmm. a, a single parent with a, like, child or maybe two children, mm-hmm. 
I would imagine that you get this feeling of like, hey, it's us. Mm -hmm. It's not just me making these right. decisions. It's like we as a group have to agree that this person is good for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so in this scenario, they are operating under the idea that like this has been going on for years mm -hmm. and Larry has a history of them not getting along because she's standoffish and Kirsty is a normal person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, I wonder if there is a, an, a, an air of not a moral, but of, under the theme of new step parents, mm -hmm. uh, being open, being honest with your family and making it a, a, a joint decision. That actually reminded me of a, of a different part of the, the movie where she's going, He's going on, a, I guess, a date with, uh, what's, what's his... Steve. Oh, S Steve, yeah. And um, they're going through, like, the, the tunnels or something mm -hmm. like that. And yeah. And they're, she's slightly intoxicated, or... Yeah. I think they both are. And he says, like, oh, why don't you like her? And she's like, oh, she's very proper and very standoffish. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. And uh, she's kind of like Whatever you. do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, there it is. Whatever do you mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. And then uh, it's like, she's kind of like you. I beg your pardon. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, what about that? Well, I guess like maybe it's see if it was taking England, like maybe that could be a cultural difference thing. But I'm not sure if it was. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That's the only concrete reason she gives for not liking uh, Julia. <laughs> um, God, Julia's a really terrible person, too, for mm. marrying someone she knows she doesn't love. Right. Just to string him along for the rest of his life? For We, we don't get her motives. For That's no reason? Thing, like, know. if Frank never appeared, was she <laughs> yeah, just going to continue <laughs> this? <laughs> Like, that's a really just horrible life. Like, oh boy, I hope he comes back as a demon. Or, or, or oh, when he gets out of prison, right, right. I'm going to leave this guy, but this is how I stay close to the family. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. What a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so I think we already touched on the, another one that I have here is love uh, equals murder. That um, she's getting these, like, there's a lot of the like false pretenses thing that Julia is going out and getting these Johns under false pretenses to mm -hmm. th make love so that she can give them to Frank under false pretenses that they'll make love. All of these like mm -hmm. levels of, of sexual deception mm -hmm. uh, in this movie, all leading to murder mm -hmm. of like this black widow mentality that people, uh, that the power of boners, whether it's on a man or a lady boner mm -hmm. is very strong and it will make you, not keep your wits about you it will make you not question things that maybe you should question and it'll get you murdered mm -hmm. um and so yeah maybe the power of and i guess that that does follow back into the the headiness thing like, don't oh, pursue yeah. your pleasures until that's really yeah, good yeah. yeah that this theme of following your lust mm -hmm. is will lead to your demise mm -hmm. yeah is 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 total and is capitalized 100 percent in the cenobites mm -hmm. that this is the this is the pinnacle of what everyone in this movie is doing right. is letting their, their, uh, lust do the talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so then the Christ imagery too, mm -hmm. and all of the, like they say, Jesus Christ. And, uh, we see all of the defacing and things. Yeah, and there's like, what about it? There's like, uh, what do you call them? Uh, crosses mm -hmm. throughout the movie, just like, sprinkled in. None of the Cenobites really reflect any, like they look demon ish, but not mm -hmm. like the only, directly christ thing that i can think of is um the baphomet the uh goat-headed demon thing that flies away at the end because mm. that looks a lot like i say baphomet because i think that's a 
uh, biblical Judeo thing of a uh, goat-headed demon. I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, I feel like that's the only direct uh, tie into this, like, uh, answer to the Christianity also, um, how do they speak English, you know? <laughs> how do the Cenobites speak English? Yeah, like Maybe it's, like, whoever opens it. Yeah. Uh, they, they, just, they just speak every language. Yeah, that if, like, they opened in Africa, yeah, it would yeah. speak uh, whatever they spoke in right. Africa. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Um, I feel like we already talked about that one. So yeah, the last one that I have, unless uh, you have any others, is um the pleasure and pain thing, which is obviously the sure. biggest theme. Uh, is that some people's pain can be another person's pleasure, or your own pain mm-hmm. could be pleasure. Um, and I feel like it's not hit on on a small enough scale to really like give us uh there's there's no relatable thing for me i don't do that i feel like maybe maybe i'm on my high horse but i consider myself a healthy person that doesn't like pain Mm -hmm. i don't like getting choked or my hair pulled and you know there's escalating things of that there are all kinds of things that people like to do i'm with you but what about like were you ever like kind of full but like there was still ice cream you're like i just gotta have that even though i know i'll be like painfully full for me it's pizza but yeah, yeah. Pizza, or spaghetti sure, yeah yeah there's like some gluttony there and, oh definitely yeah. because because it becomes more about the sensation than mm-hmm. the fullness yeah i'm not eating to sustain myself or right. to gain myself nutrition i'm enjoying the feeling of swallowing it yeah, literally it's like it's it tastes good it feels good to chew mm-hmm. and to swallow it but now it's just making me feel bad yeah so it's, it's, it's a little bit of that, but I'm not seeking the bad sure. parts. I'm seeking the pleasure part right. of that in a, despite of the pain. Sure. So I see that um, this is kind of the world of people seeking out uh, miniature versions of pain. Like there are some people that, you know, like pull like leg hairs out of mm-hmm. themselves just because they like the feeling of that or, you know, will pluck uh, pubes or things, mm-hmm. you know, just because they like it. Um, there's people who, you know, will scratch at something way longer than they should because they just like the sensation of mm-hmm. it. But I... There's also, like, I know your brain, when you do experience pain, it does fire off some, uh, like, pleasure receptors uh, to begin with. Endorphins, right? Endorphins, yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the reason for that um, is so that you, you keep going through that pain. Uh, biologically uh, I think to keep you been, safe yeah. like if you're running from a predator and you're in a little bit of pain right. you still gotta keep going yeah let's say you get your leg cut on something you still have to stay upbeat <laughs> I don't know how to still motivated to to keep running so you kind of ignore that pain with a little bit of endorphin that I feel like I've heard that before that endorphins are released during pain and mm-hmm. obviously during pleasure sure um it's it could definitely be like a uh, an unintentional psychological uh, effect, you know, of um, growing up in a really horrible home and you know misconstruing uh, shouting, you know, for love, and then mm-hmm. communicating that when you get older into mm-hmm. and it becomes a cycle like that. Um, but I don't know. This is tricky territory. I don't want to uh, judge anybody who who enjoys the kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But this movie seems to really want to establish that there there are. Uh, consequences. metaphysical consequences yeah. to uh enjoying the 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 physical pleasure so mm-hmm. yeah this movie i am i thought you would enjoy it because of the mm-hmm. big obvious moral of keep it in check keep it in your pants yeah. there's other things to life than yeah. than physical enjoyment right yeah 
I, I did like that part of it. I very much um, like that moral part of it, but it's also like so supernatural to me. That's kind of so unrelatable. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just like way to the top, mm-hmm. way further than I could. Yeah, like. Um, so I don't know if this movie was a like direct uh, condemnation on those kinds of people. I think it's just playing on, you know, we know they exist. They could be right next to us. Um, this just kind of introduces that and plays on it. And I think it's why I like it so much and I consider it so successful is that it takes the other with you know that are humans that enjoy uh things you know and we go oh well that's deviant that's mm-hmm. disgusting behavior and i would never consider myself like that and it shows us what the worst one looks like mm-hmm. and what happens um it reminds me a little bit of um that movie like seven sins or what's that movie called seven, seven uh, yeah. with uh brad pitt and morgan freeman yes yes, yes. and in uh, what way well, I mean, that movie is like all about the seven deadly sins. So we, we see. I guess it's it's a little bit different than. Uh, well, it's more spread human. out. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he's punishing people for specific like sins: gluttony, mm-hmm. wrath. Right. One of them is lust. Do you mm-hmm. remember how he takes out the lust on? I don't. Um, she's a model, and uh, he broke into her home. Uh, and sedated her on the bed and gave her, uh, glued a bottle of uh, high-strength sleeping pills into mm-hmm. one hand and a knife in the other mm-hmm. and said, I'll be back. And uh, you have two options. You can cut your nose off, and when I get back, I'll set you free, or you can take the pills and kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And she takes the pills and kill herself. Oh, wow. uh, that wasn't lust. Sorry, that was pride. <sighs> I don't remember the lust one. Mm. I feel terrible. It must be horrible. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking about Seven. We're talking about uh, uh, Hellraiser, which I keep wanting to call Pinhead. uh, Because, God, he just looks so So good. So, yes, uh, those are the themes. Uh, We're going to wrap up today's episode with one of my favorite parts, the part where we rate the movie on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst, five being the best, on whatever metrics uh, we like to rate movies. Maybe it's on the makeup effects. Maybe it's on the music. Maybe it's on the director's style. Uh, Anything we want, any combination of those. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Hellraiser? So I I did see the the IMDb page, and it gets like a 7 out of 10. So I was like, oh, this this is going to be good. And then I saw that it has so many sequels. I was like, oh, people really like this. Uh, But then I saw it for myself, and I was like, hmm, okay. (laughs) All right. Um... Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't quite enjoy it as as much, even oh, though that's I thought, okay. I thought visually it, it was a great movie. But why not? Can you give us some insight? I guess um, part of it is I I don't quite like as much superficial or supernatural things, uh, and this one is kind of like randomly thrown in there. There's this cube that's puts you in this world, and m- not much is explained out of it. Um. The other thing is, like, no character really grows. I guess you can say, uh, uh what's her name? Kirsty? Not Kirsty. Julia? Julia. Julia grows a little bit before she dies. Like, um, well. Into a worse person? Into a worse person, yeah. yeah. She becomes okay with killing. Um, Which is a great transformation to watch yeah. her go through throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's about character development and themes. And there were some, some themes. This whole hedonist, don't follow your passions to the nth degree. Um, but still, not not much 
there in terms of uh, to each his own. Yeah, I like that uh, explanation though. Yeah, how many thumbs would you give it? How many thumbs? Oh. So this is, is kind of tough to say because I, I, uh, I think it was. Hmm, when I say this is better than the. Uh, it's the last movie. So Graveyard Shift. Graveyard Shift. Maybe a little better Which than Which I think that. we gave a one thumb, so. I gave it a one thumb. But I, th- I don't think it was as good as Pumpkinhead. Which I give two. So I'll put it around the one and a half thumbs. Ooh, one and a half thumbs. One That's the first thumbs. time we've ever given half a thumb. Yeah. Who do your thumb and a half belong to? Okay. Um, so it would have to be the uh, merchant, the Moroccan or Chinese <laughs> What's merchant. What's your pleasure, <laughs> yeah. sir? Um, yeah, he definitely gets one thumb. Uh, who do I give the half to? Uh, probably victim number one who, who wanted to get naked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, he gets the most lines of all of the victims, <laughs> yeah. and he's got some confidence, man. Mm-hmm. Just goes right over to her. It's not fun, drinking alone. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get you another one? Hi, Bobby. <laughs> oh, it's a nice flat you have here. Cool. Yep. Um, how about you? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, so thank you for asking. Um, I uh, So, uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, 1987. I actually have a little bit of a relationship uh, with Clive Barker's work. Um, the first thing I ever read of his was a novel called Mr. Be Gone, uh, which mm. I absolutely devoured, and it made me dive into a lot of things. Uh, I'm also, I can't help but you know identify with him being gay, which is great to hear and see someone in the industry putting forth incidental gaze and scenes like that. Um, but the work itself, Hellraiser, I love this movie. Mm. I really do. To be honest, the opening, uh, uh, the opening act where it ends with Frank popping out of the ground. Uh, that scene is so great. The look of the Cenobites and the way the chains like fly across yeah, the room is so iconic mm-hmm. and uh, it, it still holds up today. The dream sequence mm-hmm. uh, that Kirsty goes through still blows my mind. That crying baby is so effective. Um, all the tiny moments from the uh, nail scratching his hand uh, to the, the, the uh, inflating heart underneath um, to the big ones, like uh, the engineer, as as sloppy as the large shot looks, uh, the the more intimate ones of her of it clawing at Kirsty's legs looks so good. Um, there aren't any like extra characters that have nothing to do except for Steve, um, but uh, yeah, I love that. I actually like that Steve has no real agency, and mm-hmm. Kirsty is the one that actually takes right. it upon herself to make a deal with the fucking devils mm-hmm. and and do all of this to to save her dad. Uh, it's it's. It's it's never too complicated. Like there's not there's never too many relationships to keep track of. Uh, I was even able to get through the recap in a sensible way. Mm-hmm. When there's like, at the end with the the dramatic irony of what we know and what she knows and all of that. It's so great. I love this movie. That said, I'm going to give it four thumbs okay. because as good as it is, there is a couple movies on my mind that I would that I'm holding out for to give five thumbs to. But this is one of the best ones in my opinion. 
And who would you give those four thumbs to? Uh, I'm going to give two of those thumbs to uh, Frank uh, with those nasty dirt under all of his fingernails. Like, dude, just once, just once, take your fingernails and, and, and go like this or wash them or yeah, something. Put them in soap and water. That's two thumbs. Um, I'm going to give one thumb to Bill, the uh, incidental gay attorney that was oh. at the uh, party on the night of the paper hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give my final thumb to uh, the nurse uh, who apparently loves watching uh, flowers blooming on TV. Yeah. I want to see her story. I want to know what she was doing during this movie with the doctor. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I love Hellraiser. Anything else you want to say? Oh, uh, that's about it. Are you excited to watch Hellraiser 2 and oh, 3 yes, and 4 yes. and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10? And I think they're coming out with... No, 11 was the most recent one. So it still is going, the, the series. I don't know. The most recent one was 2016, I think. Okay. So That's I, pretty recent. It is, but yeah. I'm not sure if they're making any more. One final thing I wanted to mention is uh, Clive Barker hates that his character is called Pinhead. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, he's invented this character that he has a lot of respect for, mm-hmm. and everyone calls him Pinhead, which sounds like a you know a rude term. Mm-hmm. So, hey, in Pinhead. Two, so in 2015, Barker published a sequel to The Hell bound heart the original story that introduces the cenobites called the scarlet gospels which features pinhead getting annoyed when people call him that as well as pinhead's ultimate demise mm. officially in clive barker's 2015 he, killed he kills pinhead he's completely dead so uh it just goes to show that you know sometimes artists you send something out into the world and it just doesn't belong to you anymore mm. yeah did did he give him another name uh, it's just lead Cenobite or like, uh, you know, the priest. But um, no, I, I think that's important to mention is that when you create something, no matter how much you love it, after you're done creating it, you have to let it go. It's up yeah. for other people's interpretation now. And yeah. you should give it a catchy name or else it's going to something else. Is <laughs> or gonna it'll stick never to it. do well in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure no one has a British accent. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Oh, oh, oh. One more thing. I was watching it on Hulu with the captions on. And for some reason, the captions were like way off in the beginning of the film, but it slowly sinks. <laughs> and I was wondering if maybe that's the Britishness. Like, they originally filmed it with the British. Oh, were they like color and things like that? No, no, no. Like, maybe when they originally. Well, actually, that doesn't even make sense. I thought, like, maybe when. Before they dubbed it, maybe it lined up perfectly, but then I didn't. That's fine. But with that, we will uh, say goodbye to everyone out there. Uh, Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at The Gory Days. And if you want your thoughts uh, read here on the podcast, just give us a tweet or a like or whatever. Stay scary out there. The Gory Days, The Gory Days, The Gory Days. The Gory Days.